All right, Adyanas. We are joined by the ever delightful Corey White and the even more delightful, and now that we know, is a rapper, <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Tedeschi. Uh, fucking incredible episode. Uh, firstly, before we get into what we talked about, uh, this episode is brought to you by Raunchy Brewing Co., uh, the beer that actually tastes good. Um, it really does. Uh, I actually enjoy it. I'm not even just saying that. Um, I get it at ECC on tap, and it's available at a few pubs now on tap. Um, so I definitely recommend it. There's a stout uh, that I really like as well. So um, there's a link in our bio that you can get on and um, and that you can order online because that's probably the easiest way. And they make the most money out of it. So hit up raunchybrewingco.com, uh, I think it is. Um, and I should know that better considering they're sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, alltradescover.com.au, as you can see behind our lovely friend there, Corey White. Um they are a trade insurance company that give you trade insurance for anything that's uh, going to go wrong on site, um, your liability insurance and uh, fucking things up. So Delby can definitely uh, probably get something like that because he can't even hang a picture without you know hurting his back or something like that. So um, Good uh, way of getting out and having to do that stuff. Yeah, exactly. But alltradescover.com.au for all of your insurance needs, especially for the tra- – well, for smaller tradies, they're going to benefit pretty well from that. So hit them up. Uh, but we were joined by Corey and Robbie, and we had a great discussion on so many things, especially towards the end. We had a, a deep chat about Julian Assange. But, Laz, what did we chat about today? All sorts of things. Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act, yes. Roger Cook's backflip, The Voice, Ukraine, vaccine hangovers... The decay of institutions, decay but their need institution. to remain hopeful because hopelessness is not a uh, not yeah. an antidote to. Mm. Yes, I did say that uh, it does feel hopeless at the end of this podcast, but uh, and I had something doesn't. poignant to counteract it, but yeah. then I forgot it, like when I was midway through a sentence. And do I'm you, sorry, Hardyanis. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, at this the very is why I'm giving up drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a just kidding. I'm not giving it up. I'm just having a brain. It's uh, you, you guys. When you come on, it's always a very good episode. So that was great. Um, uh, Delby's obviously doing well in Edinburgh. So if you, uh, if you're in Edinburgh, and we do have a few listeners over there, and or in the UK that are travelling over to there, go hit up Delby, Cam McLaren. Um, We've got Andy, Andy Roach and Tom and Tom and Kyle Legacy. I was going to say Tom Legacy and Kyle Legacy over there uh, doing some stuff. So get over there and. Um, and uh, support the lads as well while they're doing their thing. But uh, aside from that, thank you very much, guys. Fucking awesome episode. Insightful, poignant, controversial. Pleasure, mate. Usual. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Thanks mate. Get, let's get hard. Welcome to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-host. Daniel Delby and Cameron Brand. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance. For the millions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get hard. Sick. Fuck yeah, make sure that's nice and close there, Robbie. You can, oh, move, you can move it closer to you, like it's uh, oh yeah. That's the beauty of it. Beautiful. I love it. How good. How are we going, guys? How are we go? It's been a while. I think it was last time was last time Delby was away. We had both of us. So um, yeah, things going well. Yeah, no, it's been good, mate. Um, 
Obviously, the winter's been a little bit uh, cold and dark and <laughs> wrongry, but, you know, it's been good. F- yeah. Gigs are fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and thanks so much for the last-minute little opening spot. You were there as well, Robbie. That was good. Um, that was a good night. Yeah. The, oh, and I said this to you as well, uh, I think the next week. It was, it was great because it actually felt – it was awesome being in a room of people that felt the same <laughs> and had the same sort of uh, ideas that we have. But I think I, I – didn't like and this don't don't take this as a, uh, a like being rude, but I didn't like it as much as when I watch you at like uh, a neutral venue. It's way more fun to watch me at a venue where it's like not my audience, where it's yes. like people who don't know what they're getting and they're you know like a hundred watching people's reactions. Yeah, uh, I love my set is probably the best thing, and <sighs> lots of comedians say that to me, you know. And yeah, the room split too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love watching you wrestle the room over and and convince the people that really don't like you <laughs> and make yeah, them watch. Yeah, I, I do have a lot of fun in uh, doing that. Uh, yeah. I do it two ways, whether you know, like go out and win them over first mm. and then hit them or then hit them first and then win them over with the tyranny of wit and charm. But uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't work 10 times out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. win them back. But I have seen it a couple of times where I'm like, oh, fuck, uh, he's <laughs> not buying in. It's hard like at a, a show like The Gong or something like that where you've got – You've got a few minute. You've got a minute to win them over, and if, if yeah, you oh, I just it. love the combative element of the gong. Well, that's my favourite yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But yeah, you know what's fun about that show? You can't see Branchy was uh, the diversity of people in the room. Mm. You know, like there was mm. guys from the army, there was coppers, uh, mm. some judicial officers, uh, a <sighs> couple of convicted crooks, and you know, just average day, everyday punters. You know, yeah. um, it was a broad church. Yeah, no, nah, it was great. Um, I had a great time. Um, Fabian did well as well. It's a great night. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I got a lot of love for Fabian. Very good, funny. Good to see all the people that uh, at Wanneroo turning up. Would you reckon most of them were from Wanneroo? It's a great venue, Comedy Shack. Yeah, I do love that tent. It was a bit weird though, going from two and a half thousand people at the convention <laughs> centre to a fucking tent in Wanneroo. It's like, uh, come back to Worth pretty quickly. Actually, I've, uh, I don't know if you've been on since. We, we, that happened No No awesome So let's uh, talk about that Because you get to sp- speak uh, Like I guess warm up the room For uh, mm. Dr. Asim Alhotra uh, Me and Robbie were in the crowd uh, yep. Sitting there little besties Talking to some <laughs> interesting <laughs> folk in the crowd Yeah it was uh, That was also a broad church of people <laughs> yeah, wasn't it wasn't it yeah, yeah, It was yeah. so nice Because then I could see They didn't dim the lights on the crowd When I walked out Yeah 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 uh, And I could see you boys and, and a bunch of other people I knew And Robbie was sitting next to a uh, liberal senator who's asked him to like stop moving his leg or something. Oh yeah, did that. Had a bit of a cry about it. I was like, oh. Didn't know who he was though. So. Can you stop moving your leg? Jesus Christ! That, what do they call that? Restless leg syndrome or whatever? Is that when you're anticipation though? I don't know. I think it's one of those things like you just you just do it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time to sit still. Yeah, hundred percent. Like three yeah. hours. Yeah, so yeah. um. Fair to say, I probably have some more legitimate complaints I can send his way as a member of parliament. <laughs> well, speaking of that, <laughs> my leg. Yeah, I was yeah. reading in the paper this morning because they're talking about um, the abortion laws that he's going to scrutinise. And when the surrogacy laws came through, he spoke against them for 22 hours in the <laughs> Senate. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 22 <laughs> hours. Look, I don't know. I, don't have, I, have, I have some sympathy for <laughs> criticisms of surrogacy. Like, it's a pretty fraught field. There's lots of ethical considerations that come up with with surrogacy. I suppose it depends what your um, your angle is. You know, if you're against mm. surrogacy because you don't want to see, you know, like same sex people have yeah. have kids or something like that, and that's the ang- you know the agenda you're coming from, as opposed to you know like 
um, exploitation of vulnerable people in mm. you know desperate situations, then I'm far more sympathetic to people trying to protect um, vulnerable people yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to you know if you've got yeah, like course. a hardcore political agenda that's you know <coughs> sort of douchey. Yeah, well, there's plenty of agendas floating around mm. at the moment. Oh and, yeah, um, it seems to me <coughs> you and you mentioned this last time, and a few people have mentioned this. That pendulum is swinging. And the cultural shift, which is what we called our last episode with you, is swinging and it's changing and it, it, I'm seeing so many more people just push back against these, I will call them that, extremist views and they're pushing too much in people's faces and they're just they're pushing back. And uh, I, it's good, it's beautiful to see. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, I kind of think that people are going right out of spite yeah. in a way. They're just so sick of... Um, this saturation of the culture with these ideas that mm. are uh, very toxic, let's be honest. I mean, it's the last of the terrible things we import from America. Mm. Uh, first, it was the fast food <laughs> and the culture and the politics of the journalism and now the last export as a dying empire is their toxic ideas as a culture. Yeah. And look what it's doing. Mm. Uh, but I, th- I think there is a backlash and I'm glad there is because the longer it sits unsaid and... Uh, unexpressed the more toxic it becomes i think nietzsche's got that quote all truths that remain silent eventually become poisonous and Mm. in some uh, quarters it is becoming poisonous i think Mm. um but we'll see how far it shifts Uh, my fear is that it you know coincides with an economic crisis and then you get these uh, little failed artists with facial hair running around. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the uh, the other greatest, worst thing that we've imported from America is the submarines <laughs> that we get in what, 34 years. <laughs> They're trying to, trying to big it up on Channel 7 News the other day showing the, what what machines they are and how great they are. Oh, and it's going to be like, you know, the joint strike fighter, just an utter waste of Commonwealth money. Mm. Uh, And then I saw Four Corners on Monday night, you know, with the rewards that KMPMG and all the other consultancy firms have been up to with stripping the the taxpayer of billions of dollars, overcharging and et cetera, et cetera. What's that with? I haven't seen that. Uh, So the the four big uh, consultancy firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers was the one who was in trouble couple of weeks ago for sharing confidential tax advice with their clients to avoid tax oh. because they work for the government. They yeah. do, it's a way of outsourcing the public, uh, the bureaucracy mm. um, and, sh- you know, government work that's not subject to freedom of information and disclosure requirements, etc. Mm. So, yeah, uh, surprise, surprise, everything's corrupt in this country. <laughs> uh, from the chief prosecutor in the ACT, uh, from KPMG, PWC, EY, it's just all our institutions are rotten to the core and mm. people have lost faith in all mm. of our institutions on every level, from the media to the politics to you know the bureaucracy, uh, the corporate class. I mean, you, you can see it in the States at the moment with their polling for the election. Trump is being, he's getting more, uh, he's getting more support with the more indictments they give him. Because the, it's like everyone can see it now. Everyone can see the tactics. Everyone can see that it's just a, a diversion and distraction from their own guilty um, and corrupt uh, ways that they've been living with. So, uh, like, if, if, uh, if we keep seeing this, like, a weaponized DOJ at the moment, which is clearly... He's, he, the Biden administration, and I won't say Biden, 
because Biden doesn't know what the fuck's going on. It is the <laughs> Biden administration is is using their own DAJ to try and eliminate their chief political uh, opposition. Like that, if that is, if that is not like what we see in a third world country, well, uh, worse than that, it's the intelligence agency as well. Mm. Uh, they're all up to the next in it. And you know what annoys me is that like. This is they know that the effect of using the institutions and the law to go after a defeated <coughs> political opponent creates sympathy for them, and it also creates polarization in the polity. Mm. So you wonder how much of it's by default or by design. Yeah, you know, is it incompetence or is it intent? I definitely don't think it's incompetence. It can't be. You can't be that incompetent. I mean, at this I point, don't know, man. I reckon it shows that they haven't learned the lessons from yeah. the previous election where he ran as an establishment outsider, mm. and by marshalling all the forces of the establishment against him, mm. they're basically bolstering that narrative again. But the only way they've really changed their tactics was I think they tried to get him um, or to interfere with the Republican National Convention <laughs> last time because they thought Hillary would beat him. Yes. Now they're doing the opposite. They're trying to knock him out as soon as, as, soon as possible. So I don't think they've learned no. any of the lessons, really. It's just a, And the Trump campaign's a reboot yeah. of the original Make America Great Again. You yeah. know, like it's... I cringe when I watch it, but it, it's also hilarious entertainment. A hundred percent, and uh, I uh, wholeheartedly admit that I was very uh, biased towards the Trump side because uh, I was one of those people who bought into the Obama stuff. I thought we we'd won, we'd finally change. We can believe in exactly, and well, I this fell is for what's, it. Uh, m- making me hesitant to go all in about. About RFK, yes, you know what I mean. It's like, is this mm. the last great trick yeah. that the establishment plays on us? You know, mm. um, give us one of them. Yeah, uh, well, you know, because that's the hope and change I could believe in, and it's seductive. Mm. It's very, and especially, it's intoxicating to feel like you're on the right side of a historical shift and mm. movement. It is, it's like, oh, oh, it's starting to become very predictable. The whole everything they were watching for, and take for example the indictments. Like uh, I didn't say it was going to be an indictment, but even I tweeted the day after Devon, the day Devon Archer made his testimony against uh, Hunter Biden and the Bidens, and the bribery and the the corruption that's going on there. The day that happened, I tweeted, "Well, you know, uh, something along the lines of we're going to have a uh, a submarine in the headlines or something tomorrow." It ended up being an indictment. It's the same thing. You can see there's going to be something that takes away the. It's funny you say that. I saw something the other day. Uh, CIA whistleblower from uh, late 70s, early 80s, named Ralph McGeehy, mm-hmm. talking about that exact thing, about the responses to information in uh, the uh, public sphere and then releasing disinformation as a distraction. They called yeah. it Wisner's Wurlitzer. And okay. it was like a, he envisioned like a keyboard you could just play uh, and stories would go out because they had people in that, such a complex but sophisticated system of information management. Mm. That and... When we see that sort of information, uh, when we see something like that, so um, so groundbreaking, because that all but oh, it really is grounds for impeachment for uh, the the, pres- the current president Joe Biden. So if that there, when you see something that damning come out, the first thing I look for, and it's not just with the president, with anything like war in Ukraine, any sort of damning sort of information that comes out that goes against the general narrative, COVID stuff like that. The first thing I look for is what are the, what is going to be in the headlines instead. What is going to be happening? Because you know there is always the, it's what like distractions. Yeah, the ma- magician. Look over mm-hmm. here. Look over here because you're not going to see what I'm doing Misdirection. over here. Misdirection. Misdirection. And um, you can see it everywhere. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, that was the, the the most recent one. I found I find it funny what they're indicting him for now, which is um, they're trying to prove that he knew the whole time that he had lost, and he was trying to uh, and tr- and still trying to you know call into question the election. Which is how can you prove if he he still thinks he won? Like <laughs> he didn't take it as well as Al Gore did in two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Al Gore had a much better argument than Trump, in my yeah, view. Absolutely. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I actually do have a cool little clip uh, here. Um, goes for about a minute, so bear with me. But like, so he's obviously in trouble for calling into question the results of the election in twenty twenty, um, which is. Yeah, like there were things to look at. They were a little bit uh, dodgy. Um, but uh, it's funny because all the Democrats are demonising him for, for doing that. So I found it funny when you have you – could, you could run this for half an hour, but I'll just play a minute of it. This is the Democrats after the 2016 election. He knows he's an illegitimate president. I think it's also critical to understand that – As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win, so how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. The president is an illegitimate racist occupying the White House. The Russian, uh, 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 weighing in on the election, the Russian attempt to, ha- to have the election, and frankly the FBI's uh, weighing in on the election, I think make the il- make, makes his election illegitimate. It's illegitimate. And my biggest fear is that he's going to do it again with the help of Vlad, his best pal, and we're going to be stuck for six more years with this guy. And that is terrifying. It's terrifying. Would you be my vice president for candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. We had this little election back in 2018. And despite the final tally and the inauguration and the situation we find ourselves in, I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. I believe was a stolen election. And I'm not saying they stole it from me. They stole it from the voters of Georgia. Uh, Classic. That's where England got their uh, line of argument from. We actually won. (laughs) He actually won. Oh, the, the old uh, World Cup. <laughs> oh, the cricket. The oh, the cricket. Fuck, that's hilarious, mate. That's uh, the moral victory that mm. they're trying to play on. Mm. But as we can see there, they've, they've done the exact same thing. You don't see any of them being indicted uh, for causing an insurrection. Uh, oh, Hypocrisy is you know, pretty important in their diet. Mm. And, and I don't like this argument of the whataboutism. But they'll say, oh, you're just doing whataboutism, whataboutism. Well, yeah, sort of, uh, yes. <laughs> well, whataboutism is just a way of deflecting from calling out your hypocrisies in some cases. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but, um, and, you know, if we can, like, it's like a stupid little fucking, and I say this uh, quite commonly, if two fucking stupid Aussies on a podcast three years ago can say that there's going to be some issues with Ukraine, there's going to be issues with China and the influence peddling that was going on with Hunter Biden, which we now know is true, um, fucking like uh, it it wasn't too hard to find and too hard to see. No, and, you know, that's the sort of corruption that, you know, would have impeached other presidents. Yes. Surely. I mean, Nixon. Mm. Um, And I've, I've gotten to that point where I don't buy in fully to Trump. I don't say Trump's the answer. 
I, I probably was in that first one mm. and I f- fell for that. But uh, uh, <clears throat> if I'm looking at Trump seeing him as a better option, that's that's even more concerning for me. I love that idea of RFK and I love what you were saying before because I do get worried because I like what RFK's messaging is. He's well, very I logical. Mean, if he's legitimate, I mean, oof. Mm. I mean, yeah, it, it'd be fantastic all the way with RFK. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm sceptical of politicians. and But he says all the right things, but so did Obama, you know. Yes. And he came in at a time of uh, crisis. And mm. they sold the narrative of hope and it's the last thing to die, mm. uh, which is why it's always an attractive <laughs> political currency. But, uh, yeah. But we'll when see. we've got like – so RFK 70. Mm. Um, Trump's what seventy eight or something. Yeah, but RFK is jacked. Yeah, jacked. Same yeah, guy. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't he looks, care looks phenomenal. If he's using human growth hormone. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, and then I think what uh, uh, I think Biden's what eighty, eighty. He's going to be eighty two or something like that. Well, it doesn't matter how old Joe is. I mean, his cognitive function is clearly not sufficient to be the commander in chief. Oh, hundred percent. Um, just a walking, talking advertisement for the uh, decay of empire, really, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's the perfect example of that. But I was looking through sports bet, uh, the odds for the Democratic nominee. Like RFK is paying eleven dollars. Are you kidding? Uh, you know who else is on the go? Oscar De La Hoya. Fuck off! Uh, no way. I was like, well, that, if sports bet's got him in as the odds, mm. doesn't mean that he's running. <laughs> I was like, can, <laughs> can I put a prediction out? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sure. This is a prediction with no <clears> – <throat> there's, there's nothing behind this. This is just my prediction. Both Donald Trump and Biden will both be facing prison sentences. Not necessarily it will be resulted before the election, but they will both be present, uh, facing prison or jail or criminal uh, offences. So I think it will end up being Kamala Harris will then temporarily take over as the uh, the running mate, and I think uh, probably like out of default potentially Ron DeSantis, and Gavin Newsom will run as vice president for Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris will be then found to be completely illiterate and no good, and potentially replaced by Gavin Newsom. That is my that's my prediction. Mm. Because they don't want another straight white. Well, no one can man. accuse you of not being ambitious with that prediction. <laughs> that's my prediction. It's a big multi. Delby mm. would be proud of that one. 100%. There's a lot of legs in it, and that's that's why there's no basis behind that. But I, I just find, I, honestly, in in real in real world, I think they're both going to run. It'll end up being Biden versus Trump, and they'll both be facing their own things. It'll be, uh, it'll he did this versus he did that sort of um, case, and and whoever wins the election, it will be contested. I think that's pretty... I think just picking up on Corey's point before about um, him not having trust in RFK, thinking, mm. you know, we've seen this before mm-hmm. with Obama. The only thing I would point out with that was with Obama, like the establishment was clearly right behind him. Yes. He was the preferred mm-hmm. person to run for president and I don't think that Robert F. Yeah. Kennedy Jr. has the establishment on board Definitely in not. that way. No. But obviously cynicism in politicians is necessary. Mm. But where do we draw the line between 
what's cynicism and then yeah. what's legitimate compromise that you need to make in a system that you can't you don't you, you can't ride roughshod over and you can't control wholly so if he gets in mm. what compromises does he make yeah. and then how do we judge him um through the lens of cynicism do we say oh he's just sold everything out or has he had to make mm. certain deals that were necessary to you know get a partial agenda for that might have been on the back burner for a long period of time yeah i do love that sp- <clears throat> that speech, well, I don't love that speech, but I, uh, when Putin said, I've, I've been through three or four presidents in my time, I've seen them come and go, I truly believe they all come in with the best of intentions. They sit down, they have these goals, and then the uh, the men with black suits and blue ties come in and tell them how they're going to run the world, not what they wanted to do. Um, and I, I truly believe that's the case. I was yeah. having a laugh with Corey about that the other day because it's pretty much the plot from Prison Break. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, the company. Yeah. Running I, I everything. Tr- and I truly believe that someone like a... I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists who think fucking Obama was born in wherever, uh, Kenya, Kenya, stuff like that. Was, uh, <clears throat> I think he tr- truly ran with the best of intentions and just got in there and got fucked in the It's like that old Bill Hicks joke about, you know, doesn't matter what your promises are on the campaign. Like, when you get elected, you go into a smoky room filled with all the capitalist industrialist scumfucks who own everything. Mm. And they play a, a tape of the Kennedy assassination from an angle no one's ever seen before. Mm. And they're like, okay, here's your agenda, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're invading Iraq. 100%. Yeah. And you look at someone like Obama who's gone into office looking like a fresh-faced <laughs> younger bloke and coming out looking like he's... It's, yeah, had one of the biggest battles of his life. It doesn't look like the easiest thing well, to Well, you know what, and I think that would explain a lot of Anthony Albanese mm. uh, prime ministership. Mm. I mean, he came in and said, yeah, we're going to tell the Americans we want Julian Assange home. It's like, no, you fucking don't. <laughs> You're a vassal state. You do as we say. Bend over. Here's a submarine deal that's going to take you apart. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the... Yeah, I, I think he's capitulated in many ways. Um, but how long has Albo been in public life he's for? Been like, in to have that level of naivety, you know, having you know been walking the corridors of power for yeah. however many years you've had, like I find it hard to believe that he would have that level of naivety. It's more so, you know, maybe there was a file on him that he didn't know about that he was shown after mm. he got sworn in by well, maybe the American Embassy. Weasel <laughs> words, like John Pilger would call it. Yeah. Yeah. It is a letdown. It is a great shame, though, because a lot of people had high hopes for Anthony Albanese. And that's not to say his entire uh, prime ministership's been a write off, mm. but um, he is backing a, a losing horse in the voice. So I feel bad for him in that regard. He's, yeah. he's going to be defined by it with his legacy. Yeah. Uh, before we go on to the voice, because I do uh, want to chat about that and the Heritage Act being revoked, um, <coughs> uh, let's go back to Assange because. W- uh, that's something we did get to see and witness and uh, the feeling was incredible watching his dad speak. Um, and uh, you could yeah. feel the I'll room. I'll tell you what, I'm so glad I didn't have to go on after him. Oh, my Lord. It was it, – you could hear a pin drop. Uh, I had yep. shivers down the back of my spine listening to him talk. And it was very um, – it was interesting because the way he spoke was very broken English and very slow. And I actually got the – feeling that there was something going on there a bit cognitively. That's how it felt. But whatever he delivered, the the messaging was incredible. I love the way he appealed to Australia's better angels, you know, because there's a lot of examples of Australia's better angels and the better side of our, uh, you know, culture coming to the fore. Mm. And he appealed to that, Mm. which I thought was very tactful. And 
Yeah, but he was just like, you know, your favourite old uncle, you know. He was a very warm uh, soul and what he's endured, uh, he carried himself with a, an immense dignity, which I uh, couldn't help but find, you know, so admirable. Yeah. He was less about preaching the hate and the, um, mm. the viol- not violence, but the pushback against what's happening to him and just, yeah, uh, preaching unity and, and exposing truths. Um, yeah, it was, it was fucking beautiful. Do you get to speak to him much yeah. backstage? Yeah. Does he, uh, yeah. No, he was very warm and um, nice to talk to. And, yeah, like he just had this magnetism about him, you know, like you just wanted to take him home and give him a cuddle. Yeah. You know? it was oh, I can't explain how that made everyone feel. Uh, but the whole, the whole thing, Ed Dowd and his um, breaking down of the, of the, the, the insurance data. Yeah, the insurance data was... That insane. was the highlight to to really to point out the the life insurance claims and policy changes uh, policy claims for certain demographics had spiked at a specific point in which also correlated with the mandating of the the vaccinations it was such an incredible way of looking at it and mm. and fucking eye opening because isn't it, it funny though that the most damning data came from insurance companies is like yeah. <laughs> well, it's not surprising as well that they would analyze it within an inch of its life mm. to you know figure out what their their financial exposure is going to be mm. to it and then you know like um do things behind the scenes to act yeah. accordingly to protect themselves but i think it's also like a great indicator of of truth isn't it yeah like if they're taking all of these actions and they all have all of these concerns mm. there must be something going on well there's something and the the point that he made which i uh, absolutely love this point. He's like, either the vaccine has had the impact that we're saying health-wise in regards to it's caused a lot of all-cause mortality issues or the actions and the the uh, implementations that the government put in place have created this as well. So either your government's handled the situation completely poorly and raised uh, a raise, uh, created a spike in all-cause mortality deaths or it was a vaccine. One or the other... Either way, there is something that has happened. And uh, I really loved that he pointed that out. So um, that assumption that potentially, no, nah, it's not the, the vaccine that's caused these issues. Fuck, well, then what has caused the, 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 the spike? Well, the fact that you couldn't go to hospitals, the fact that you couldn't uh, see loved ones and the mental health aspect. There was so many other things. So either way... One or the other, the, the government's got something to answer to. You know, it'd be funny, though, is if, you know, I go and apply for a life insurance policy and one of the questions is, have you had your COVID-19 vaccine? Do you get a discount if you haven't? Or are you going to get an increase in your premium if you have? Wow, I'm interested. Maybe we'll have to hit up alltradescover.com. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think that's outside their wheelhouse. Outside their I wheelhouse? Think they, I don't think they do life insurance. Well, let's uh, add an ins- life insurance division at All Trades Cover. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so they don't want to, you know, stop John getting any, you know, potential yeah. subscriptions after the case, so, you yeah. know. I think if you want life insurance, you go to Elliott Insurance, uh, but potentially. Um, I had to apply for public liability uh, cover the other day to go for the Sydney uh, gigs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, um, you're covered for defamation, um, but not sexual assault, which I found very funny. <laughs> <laughs> what what was was like, oh, damn. Damn, Jesus. Um, what day are you in Sydney? Uh, September 19th, 20th, oh. 21st September. I thought you were going to say September 9th. I was no, like, that's no, that's the weekend of my birthday, so I'm not decided if I'm going that early yet, but I'm probably yeah. going to fly in earliest 14th at this stage, but I haven't booked any flights. Because so. <sighs> we're there for Up in Joke on September 8th. Yeah, um, right. 
So I fly to Melbourne, do a bit of work on the Friday, watch a bit of footy, Friday night footy. I think it looks like it's going to be Collingwood-Melbourne, which will be average. Very Um, tasty. So go watch that, then fly to Sydney in the morning, do our show that night uh, at uh, uh, DY. DY, yeah. Uh, RSL in uh, Newcastle, I think. No, it's DY. DY? Is that where it's called? Yeah, the suburb's called DY. Oh, fuck. Okay, cool. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Um, But, yeah, and then the UFC the next day. Um, yeah right. So that's um, Adesanya versus Strickland. Yeah, they just announced it yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. So that's huge. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be good fun. It would have been perfect if you were there. Could have yeah, well, up. I haven't booked any flights yet. So if you want to fucking hook me up with a flight from one of your Patreons, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll come. Yeah, fuck. No, nah, but my brother's um might be uh, having a child that weekend. And it's my birthday, so yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if I'm gonna go because I really want to home for that. Yeah, no, no. but that's actually um, how is all the comedy and stuff going? Because it seems to be like you, you're able to uh, draw a crowd now by yourself, which is yeah, no, it's fun, mate. But like you say, my favourite com- it's still the club comedy. You yeah, know, yeah. to encounter people with you know different views who mm-hmm. 18 months ago would have you know happily seen us discarded from society or whatever. Um, and yeah, that's been my that's still my favourite. But yeah, no, gigs have been great. Uh, loving new material and. Off to Melbourne uh, Monday for a couple of weeks there. So if anyone's in Melbourne, get mm. some tickets uh, at live at the exit. Do you, um, fi- do you find it's a certain <coughs> it's a certain avenue of people at the moment? Like just or do you, yeah, look, you do get the, the your crackhead fucking pop fucking yeah, absolutely, crazy absolutely. But you know what's funny is it's like, like as I said earlier, it's such a diversity of people who are I guess committed to rational thinking and value comedy. Mm. Um, it's a broad church and I think it's only getting bigger and mm. um, you see it in the, in the clubs, you know, like I have the most uh, loud r- laughs, I guess. Yeah. Most yeah. gigs when I'm on, mm-hmm. um, whatever spot I'm in. And, you know, it's the hard material. Uh, but I think people want the authentic, authentic stuff more now mm. than ever. I'm starting to <coughs> get to that point where I think I'm, I'm getting to a point where I want to start diving into those sorts of topics that I like. Um, I think I'm getting enough stage time to be able to potentially attack some of these topics. But I do also understand you need to be able to do them well and they need to be done correctly or it's it's you're going to look like an arsehole. Um, and, and it's hard because I'll, I'll watch even you who's been doing it for a while. You can't be afraid to, to look like an asshole sometimes. Yes, a hundred percent. So, uh, and like I said last, but don't night. take advice from me. <laughs> <laughs> look where it's gotten me. Yeah. Well, last night I uh, I was I was it was and I said to you just before we got on, it was so good to try new material without the fear of it bombing. Just you know, the the art of trying to work out a new joke, a new premise. It was actually exciting, and it, the fact that some of it worked was even better. Um, but that's that's what ECC's for. It's a good room for that, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, there's plenty going on. Obviously, uh, let's go back to the voice because the voice is such a. I'm we we started chatting about it the other day with me not knowing much about this. Didn't know there was a referendum, um, and yeah. So Squirrely and James McCann tried to explain it to me in part. Um, what I was hearing, I wasn't totally a fan of yet it felt very posturing to doing the right thing giving a, a voice um but no real change is going to happen um is it do you guys know more about um this or yeah well look i mean briefly it's a inserting a welcome to country into the constitution and then creating a, a bureaucracy around advising governments as to the interests of aboriginal people that 
uh, have no enforcement. They're not uh, legally reviewable. They're mm. not enforceable in any way. And it's just another case of the government being able to take advice it disregards. Mm. Uh, and it's going to cost the taxpayer an enormous amount of money. Having said that, I do uh, appreciate the power and importance of symbolic gestures. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are strong arguments in favour for it. But you can understand people's reluctance to trust anything the government puts forward after the last two years. I mean, we have an enormous trust deficit mm. in our societies and uh, you can't blame people. I mean, Pfizer came out and said, we support the voice. Mm. It's like the Uluru statement from the heart's going to have myocarditis. But That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> what are we going to vaccinate sacred sites against Rio Tinto destroying them? Oh. Uh, <laughs> And then you know, Fuck. so look. Uh, yeah. One argument that stuck with me, it stuck with me, is someone I know, um, and she's indigenous, and you know, I guess she's got her skepticisms about it too. But she said, you know, I'm going to vote yes because I don't want my sons to grow up hearing their Aboriginal Aboriginality rejected mm. by by the uh, population in a, in that way. Um, but yeah, look, I, I don't think it matters how I vote or how we vote. I don't think this referendum is going to go within. Uh, the required numbers mm. to be remotely so I think it's going to fail in every state. And that lack of trust is that's the issue. That's the yeah, two and a half years, but not two and a half years, fucking two and a half decades of this. But really, yeah, the last two and a half years were horrific. Trust us, do what we say, what we're saying is correct, mm. and what you say doesn't fucking matter. And if you say something that we don't agree with, not only are you wrong, we're going to censor you. And, and ignore all public debate. Yeah. What about what's going on with the revelations with the Twitter files, the Facebook files, the mm. Biden v Missouri case that's been going on? Mm. Um, the vast web of censorship and government cooperation through uh, Silicon Valley and the tech companies. Mm. I mean, it's frightening. For you, and there's just not a whisper of it anywhere. It and this is why, like the conversation I have with my dad, who's a, an avid news watcher, and. Um, my conversations are like, yeah, well, okay, if this is in the news, what's not in the news? Because that's what you should be f- paying attention to. And, uh, I, yeah, we're seeing this sort of censorship. Hunter Biden laptop is a perfect example, obviously being completely censored knowingly by the FBI. Uh, knew it was real and they still censored the uh, the fact that the story was happening. Um, but we see this with COVID debate, you know, like lockdowns. There was zero science behind the lockdowns being uh, put into place, or even though they were telling us there was. What I found so funny is the emails that have come out between the tech companies and the federal government in the US and mm. the CIA, etc., um, asking for certain things to be taken down, targeting memes. Yes, right. Like this is how afraid of comedy the the powerful are. Is that they were going after joke accounts on Twitter. Memes on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, there's Australian uh, governments who put in requests to have yes. things taken down from these platforms. And now the government's got this online misinformation bill in the pipeline where they have the power yeah. to decide what is and what isn't true. Mm. Uh, and there's enormous fines for people who uh, spread disinformation. Uh so, you know, you might need some uh, more Patreon supporters, mate, because you might have some whopping fines in the pipe. Later, 100% <laughs> is something that we genuinely consider now when we're talking. Like, we say allegedly, like, intentionally now. We have to say allegedly because you don't know, especially with these new bills that they're trying to pass, it's scary that, that, that me saying something or discuss... The very idea that we can't even discuss 
or debate a topic openly and see both sides of the argument. Without being branded as a disinformation peddler. Exactly. Um, it's it's scary. And we're living in fucking Orwell's 1984. We are there. We are there. It's We're being watched and monitored um, at all times. Um, like the... The dystopian future that we all fear isn't coming. It's here. Mm. We're living in it. And the, the only thing that I feel they have left to add is potentially all digital currency in which they have complete control to be able to shut down your, your finances if you're going against what they say. That's I probably the final. I a lot of sleep at night over the pending digital currency because mm. what's going to be the mechanism to bring it in? Because I yes. think there'll be a, some resistance, but is it going to be an economic crisis? Is government going to say, okay, everyone's bank accounts are frozen, there's bail-in, you can only have your money back if you have it in yeah. our for, a new currency? Uh, it's going to be frightening. This is and what there's I... There's no coming back <coughs> from that once mm. currency is digital. I mean, it's a complete surveillance state. Uh, and that's my fear, is that it would be... Uh, it it almost feels like, and again, you can say, is it by design or is it by incompetence? But it feels like by design that yeah. they're they're almost trying to fuck the world's economy in, to a point at which they have to okay, yep, yeah, <laughs> all money's failed. Here's a replacement. This is the solution. You get your money back, mm. but you have to have it in a digital form. Apologies, you had six hundred grand sitting in the bank earning interest, but now it's gone. But you can have it like this, and you've got to spend it within twelve within, months. Yeah, and you on cannot. Things. You cannot retire. Let's take my parents for example. You know, they want to retire in Thailand, that sort of stuff. Uh, your money, you can't spend it over there. We want you to spend it in Australia. Stuff like that. You know, once you take get rid of cash and we become a cashless society, all control is gone. And people say, well, oh, as if they're gonna. You know, turn off your money. Well, fuck, we've seen it in Canada last year. Mm. Like, but that's not, this isn't, this isn't a conspiracy theory. We saw this it is with WikiLeaks as well. Oh, yeah, how well, so? Well, uh, early on, after all the leaks came out, the um, like PayPal, mm. MasterCard, all of these other financial service providers basically yep. froze WikiLeaks accounts and stopped any sort of donations being mm. made to them. So, yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's exactly on the point. Yeah. And the appeal of, uh, digital currency and bitcoins and these sorts of things, the cryptocurrency, was the uh, the decentralised manner of it. That, you know, they, the government didn't have control. The state didn't have control over what you were doing. Um, but we found an issue with the Canada stuff was the people who were paying their... Uh, the, the, these or donating money to the truckers' cause were paying it through, uh, from memory, uh, wallets that they, they didn't own, they were owned by an outside source. And then so the government or the state would put pressure on the, the outside company uh, to freeze that account. But if you owned your own hard copy of Bitcoin or own hard copy, and I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called, but um, basically have your own, ver- your own wallet, um, they can't monitor that, they can't stop that, they can't do anything like that. So uh, from memory, and I'll have to go back, you maybe go back and listen to uh, an episode, I'll, I'll share it on the story, um, where we talk about the, the methods in which you can get around uh, state control over digital currency. But that aside, regardless, the digital currency that they're talking about is not Bitcoin, it's not uh, Ethereum, it is... Central bank, digital, Central bank yeah. digital currencies, which is a concern because that's where all of our money, that's how are you meant to get by, how are you meant to pay rent, how are you meant to pay mortgages, how are you meant to buy groceries. It's going to be interesting. Well, you know, I'd, 
what I find so interesting about it is people's disinterest. Yeah. I remember Kurt Vonnegut exactly wrote something about his uh, in his life. He said, you know, one thing that's making me uh, sad and indeed unfunny is the realisation that people just don't care. And I understand it, you know. I mean, look what we've just lived through. If that's not going to wake people up as to what's coming down the pipeline, nothing will. Uh, And uh, again, uh, I use my dad as an example because these are the the conversations I have with my dad who's on that mainstream narrative path. Um, He can see through it a bit, but we'll have those sorts of conversations. He's like, nah, there's fucking no way they will get rid of cash. Australia will stand up. And I said, well, I'll... I really would have hoped they would have done that in the in the COVID situation. I really wish they would have done that. And he's like, well, hopefully we've learned from that. And I do hope we have learned that if there's something that we don't want and we don't agree with, Australia will stand up and say no. But I don't think it will. I think the problem is it's like an individualistic sort of approach to the issue. People think, oh, well, only people who have something to hide who don't want to have all of their monetary transactions, you know, followed, um, have something to worry about. Mm. But... It's not about that. It's the broader issue. It's the fact that there's the capacity mm. to look at that for any particular person. So if you become a problem child or some sort of you know issue to the establishment, they can go looking through absolutely every transaction that you've ever made. And there's so much information that you can glean about a person, including like what their routine's like. Mm. And you can see like where they're getting coffees every morning, yep. um, where they're having lunch. You can piece together a really good snapshot about what somebody's life looks like. So it's mm. not about... Oh, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've got nothing to be concerned about. It's like, well, what information is now at the government's disposal if they decide that they've got yes. an issue with you? Well, you see it even now at self-checkouts. It, uh, have you noticed at self-checkouts at like a Coles or a Woolworths, they have the camera there. Watch it, like, mm. And it's fil- it's, you can see your face on the thing. So not only do they have your bank account details, what you've purchased, what time you bought it, they've got your facial uh, recognition, they've got everything. Mm. Well, going back to your point, though, Rob, about uh, piecing together a picture of someone's life from reading a bank statement. I mean, you, I did that when I was a lawyer. You look over oh, disclosure. So and you all know, the time. You look through it, it's like someone's made a withdrawal in Northbridge at 3 o'clock in the morning for $400 on a Saturday night. Yeah. Is he going to the knockers or is he getting a bag? <laughs> 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 got a funny little story from about column that, a man. little from column b yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, go. I had this case where um i was going through this person's bank statements and i kept seeing all these um references to locanto and i'm like what the hell is locanto and anyway in this case um it alleged that um someone was running a rub and tug out of the back of a house so i've, I've googled locanto. probably delby delby's old place well so i've googled locanto mm. um and it turns out it's like an it's like a, like a Reddit sort of thing where it's like online classifieds for, ad, for advertisements. So Jesus. I punched in this um, the impugned person's phone number and sure enough, an advertisement comes up for $50 special handshakes with your massage. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. It was pretty irrelevant, but I had a huge laugh. Was um, it Delby? <laughs> nah, thankfully it wasn't Delby. But um, yeah, just in terms of getting information about from, yeah. from a bank statement. Yeah. There's a prime example. That's something you probably wanted to keep on keep keep on the download. Yeah, but I, I can't see it stopping. I can't see it. Uh, it's al- it's already Im- implemented, isn't it? I think I July first. Tr- yeah, there's trials going on yes. around the place. So mm. Mm. it's going to be interesting. Uh, but the, the inf- inflation people they're trying to argue that it, we're not in um, the inflation's not happening. This is being like Biden. The Bidenomics, <laughs> Bidenomics is hilarious, but that inflation isn't happening. And people are, say to me, well, what's happening in America? It doesn't affect 
us. Like, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you looking at the fuel bowser? Are you looking at the... I go to a shop mm. now for a general, for a quick, quick little top-up shop midweek. And I'll be like, it's fucking $150. It's like, funny you I- say this because um, what's the, um, the economic theory is, is that if you raise interest rates, maybe people spend more on their mortgage, which means that everyday commodities are going to go down in price because there's less, less expendable income. Interest mm-hmm. rates are higher than they've ever been for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 12 months ago, you could get a uh, full chook bachelor's handbag yeah. from Coles for 10 bucks. <laughs> six, months, six months ago, it was 11 bucks. <laughs> I went down to Coles last week and it's 12 bucks. It's fucking so nuts, man. So these, these, you know, these other commodities, which are supposed to be coming down in price, seem to be going up. So I, I don't know... I feel like the economic theory is all just this sort of like this this lie we've all agreed upon to yeah to to, to explain things and oh, it's just it's just bullshit and it scares me because I've got a lot of friends who have extended themselves to a point mm. and this is just through mortgages we're yep. not talking all the other expenses we're just talking like your interest rates and they might be in a locked in uh, rate and when when the when that ends because you can only lock in for you know one two three four years whatever yep. you end up doing. Like if they go from you know point five percent or one percent to uh, paying four or five percent on a four five six hundred thousand dollar loan, that's a huge difference. That interest rate that that's an for some people. Some people have uh, that I know myself personally have had uh, their interest rates go up and they're invariable or whatever, and they're they're paying close to you know fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars extra a month just in mortgage mortgage interest. Add into that the extra cost of living of trying to, uh, you know, just get by, fucking buying toilet paper and your essentials. Like, it's it's going to be really tough for people and they're going to lose a lot. I suppose what it means is for a lot of people when those interest rates kick in, you're no longer really owning your house anymore. You're, you're effectively renting it because if you can only afford to play, pay the interest mm-hmm. on the loan, you can't afford any of the principal anymore. I suspect that will happen with a lot of people. A lot of people will contact their banks and say, can I go on interest only? I can't afford to pay the principal oh. and the interest at the moment. And uh, 100%. It's going to be really sad. You know, like I have a, I'm in sort of two minds about how much sympathy I have for um, people in excessive mortgage stress because I think... There's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses mentality out there these days. I think mm. a lot of people might have bought houses that were probably beyond their station in life or what they could safely afford and they didn't really take into account interest rate rises because we've grown up in this period where yeah. interest rates have been so low. So yes. you, you get become desensitized and you think it's normal. That's how it's gonna that's just how it's gonna be. But I think there's a lot of people who didn't do the, do those sort of maths. Like, what happens if the interest rates go up? Like, we're already right at the edge here on what we can afford to pay back. And if this goes up, mm. we're in big, big trouble. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't want to be too harsh on it, though. No, but I totally... Be, you know what I mean? Like, there's that, there's that, that element to it as well. keeping up with the Joneses is a thing. Because people, like, see fucking Kardashians on TV. They see Instagram. They see perfect life and they want to keep up with it. They want to be the ones who are on the holidays and... Um, as well as they've got the nice house. Life, the movie on Facebook's got to look good. <laughs> yeah, fuck. But uh, for me, like I've totally detached from that. I'm a live within your means sort of yeah, guy. Me too. I'm a. I'd rather, um, and I hope this doesn't happen. But I'd rather pinch my pennies and, and have like not not have to worry about fuck. I got to pay this debt, this bill, this that, um, and go down the beach for a fucking you day. Want to have a rainy day fund. 
Uh, yeah, where if something happens, you know, you, okay, I've got a little stack of cash that I can sit on and 100%. I'm not just, you know, in a... Especially as a, like a single dad, man. Like I'm the provider for my daughter, well, you know, 50% provider. If I can't get her food or if I can't do these sorts of things um, because I've decided I want a nicer car or a nicer house, then I'm, I'm not doing my job as a provider. Um, so I'd much rather, and it is nice to have that little rainy day fund, and I'm trying to work on building that up, and I'm not perfect, but I, like everyone who listens to the podcast knows I'd rather take a risk in life in this and try and get this going and, and try and be happy and live within my means and live a more simpler life, um, even when I travel. I'm going to Italy um, for a trip soon uh, for a, for a wedding, so I've got, sort of got to go. But I'm living the cheapest possible way. I'm catching trains everywhere. I don't do it all the. I Staying don't, in a hostel, but uh, I haven't finalised all my bookings. But I think I will stay in hostels. Like I, I just don't give a fuck, man. I'm by myself. Like I give you one night having to share a hostel with a fat Turkish guy. <laughs> his head off and you're on two hours sleep, and you go into a murderous rage. I'll, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll try not to do that. I, I'd prefer to just go like an. Airbnb, little small room. I I don't give a fuck about the nice flashy uh, apartments and stuff like that. Do but what yeah. Legacy does. Get yourself on Tinder and see if you can't just. Fuck. I just free. spoke to Legacy actually <laughs> uh, on a Patreon episode. Um, I'm going to ask you to move that way for my own. There we go. There you go. A bit more centralized. Sorry for the YouTube watchers. I get a little bit a <laughs> OCD. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So interest rates and stuff, obviously. On the rise, and I just don't. I don't see a lot of people surviving it, um, and it scares me. Um, and I don't uh, like. We see the the house. Uh, the, I was looking at the house prices over the last twenty years have gone up like. Oh, forgive me for not being perfect with these numbers, but it was like a hundred and forty eight percent rise in 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 a house price over the last twenty years. And the average household earnings has gone up like fourteen percent or forty percent or so. It was is minor is. Nowhere near the same. So how are we expected just with the housing prices to be able to keep up, let alone the interest rates, let alone the cost of living, let alone fucking petrol. I went to get petrol this morning at $2.15 a litre. Like $2.15 a litre. That's, I don't, I don't, it's I not. I swear it's Monday and Tuesday are the good days. A hundred percent. They're the days you got to hit it. But it, it is scary. But then obviously um, uh, we've talked about uh, the voice before, but uh, the Heretic Jack just got revoked, which is... Um, <laughs> what a stunning backflip. I um, saw the Premier, Roger Cook, say yesterday he apologised for the stress, confusion and division caused by the legislation. I thought, well, it's nice to see someone own up and apologise. And to be fair to Roger Cook, he's inherited a turd sandwich from yeah. his predecessor what, what who jumped f- a sinking ship. Oh, didn't he? But how was the results in the Rockingham by-election, which I was asked to potentially run in, by the way, after that gig. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Funny story. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, I mean, it was a big swing against the Labor Party. Mm. And if there was an election held today, they'd go close to losing government, notwithstanding yeah. the whopping majority they've got. Mm. I think it's a testament to how sour people are on yeah. Mark McGowan and the Labor Party and what happened in 2021 mm. and the mismanagement of the state's finances. Uh, but yeah, look, I think history is going to repeat itself. Because um, remember in 2006, Jeff Gallup, he Jeff resigned. Gallup. Yeah. Depression. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Then there was a federal election, Kevin 07. Mm-hmm. Every government across the land was a Labor government. Switched. Uh, and then Troy Buswell stepped down as uh, opposition leader here. Yes. Colin Barnett. 
yep. took the reins and the Triple C handed down a report into some corrupt Labor ministers. Mm. The polling went through the roof and they lost government. And I think the same thing will play out here. And I mm. think the Triple C is going to hand down a damning report about the Premier and preferential treatment given to Labor Party donors for G2G passes to get in and out of the state. Remember that old chestnut? Yeah. When the children of billionaires seemed to be able to travel whenever they wanted, but the rest of us plebs... We're locked in like fucking prisoners. Mm. And that's the thing, Mark McGowan, let's talk, uh, before we get on to Roger Cook, because I, I want your opinions on Roger Cook and, and what he's been doing. But McGowan jumping ship is, that's what it was. Let's not pretend he he was tired or exhausted. I've heard other rumblings and we won't go deeper into potential <laughs> why he's, another reason why he's stepped down. But um, he's, he's jumped a uh, sinking ship. And um, I don't think he was willing to face up to uh, a, a landslide loss in the next uh, election. Well, I think he knew what was coming, you know, and I think he probably thought his own position was a bit untenable. I refuse to believe anyone walks away from that level of power. I mean, he's the envy of the Westminster world. He could do whatever he want with legislation. Mm. Um, why would you walk away from that? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't. There's certainly something uh, a bit dodgy. But his handling of the whole situation, the ho- and this has been our uh, disagreement with him the whole time, because I would never want to be in his situation. I wouldn't want to be, and I know you j- jest there that you that you wouldn't give up that sort of power, but I would not want to be in his situation or any president or prime minister or premier situation. For me, that's my personal opinion. But um, his... His uh, his rigidity and his arrogance in the in which he delivered mm. his his uh, his commentary on certain situations, he can't backpedal from there. You can't go, I'm sorry, we were wrong in this, or hey, maybe we did this incorrectly, but we were trying our best. He can't do that when you're so arrogant and so fucking rigid in your ideas. Um, and uh, I, and it's great initially to see Roger Cook apologise for something straight away because uh, very rarely do we see politicians put their hand up and say, yeah, this isn't going to work or this, we oh, apologise I think it was it. A, it had an alternative. I think they were probably under pressure from the federal government to ditch the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act because it was you know, reducing the chances of the voice referendum getting up in Western Australia. Um, he was questioned about that yesterday on 6PR and he denied it. Of course he did. He had to. Said, uh, said, said that he's not been contacted by the Prime Minister and... He only called the Prime Minister after the decision was been made as Don't a courtesy. That for a yeah, no, no, no. I um but, but it has been put to him. I think there was they were reading the political landscape very mm. clearly. The by election sent a huge signal. Mm. Labor's on the nose and uh Look, it was a smart political decision. I don't think he wanted to be dealing with that forever. The farmers were angry and the miners were angry. And your average day person in the street was angry. I mean, it was unpopular legislation, but it's testament to what happens to legislation when there's no proper scrutiny. Mm. And there is an opposition that can't field a cricket team. Mm. Yeah, this is true. Because they hold the majority, is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a unprecedented majority. I think the opposition's down to about six or seven seats. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, so this and yeah, when there's no d- public debate, and this uh, that that comes back to that public debate and um, not public debate, even fucking um, just in policy, like to debate uh, an issue and to try and nut out the potential issues on both sides. I think it's um, it's something that's lacking, and certainly in a, a WA government, but it's lacking in society at the moment. There's no public debate for anything on both sides. Even the other day, I was watching a vegan versus carnivore. 
and it was very heavily based towards the carnival. And I've switched to eating meat and stuff, but that's not how uh, a debate works. It's got to be like you both have open conversations. They've clipped up these clips to make it seem that this person's worse and and mm. better. Deceptive um, editing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and then that, that comes back to that censorship stuff. Like, how can we how can we censor? And we go back to COVID, and I hate keep bringing it back up but how can we censor experts in their field when they're they're making very valid points and concerns mm. on potential risks potential issues with the delivery and the the, uh, the way they've made the, the thing so yeah i think public debate is what we need more of um but even to say that's a controversial statement i don't know what you guys think about you're that. a relic branchy Mm. You're a relic, mate, from a bygone era that used to value things like democracy and, you know, open thinking. Oh, they've heard you're here. They've come there. <laughs> <laughs> what um, have you heard? Yeah. But, like, even... Um, it, but when it, when something comes into the social... Uh, sorry, the mainstream, I instantly... And, and this is the lack of trust I have now. I instantly start to scrutinise it, start to get worried about, like, what... So, me, let's take, for example, perfect example, the alien stuff, the UFO stuff. Coming, it's very mainstream now. Now that it, so for ten years, I've been going, "Fuck yeah, I want, I want it to come out. I want, uh, surely this is happening." We, you know, you sort of have this underlying idea that, yeah, we've we've uh, probably got crafts and stuff like that, and you you have that in your head, and you you want it to all come out. And I was so excited for all this sort of news, and then you start to see the news, and now I'm like, "Why are they, why are they saying it?" And it instantly become. What's it serving to distract us from? Exactly, and I don't like that because I really want—I want the aliens to be true, real. I want it to be—I want everything that I've believed for the last twenty years and being a, a UFO fucking conspiracy theorist. Surely oh. you'd think the odds would suggest like there has to be something else. Out yeah, of course. Like, look, of at, look course. at what's out there. Like it's, it's infinite apparently. Mm. And so, but, but basically, this guy who's um, being questioned. Um, and pretty like uh, it's got pretty serious, like Senate hearings and oversight committees and stuff, and they're they're questioning him. He's part of a retrieval program, and um, has one of the highest clear, uh, clearances for um, security going around. So he's he's a very credible witness, and for him to be talking about this and have permission from his organisation to be able to talk about this makes me go, why, why do they want him to talk about that? Um, but I do, at the same time, I do love that it's all coming out. Have you guys kept up to date with all the UFO stuff at I've all? I've only heard about it. Um, I haven't watched any of the um, the hearings or anything like that. Just yeah, just just seen headlines. You, Corey? No, nah, the last time I encountered the UFO stuff was Jeremy Corbell. Okay. And watched uh, a film he made. But, yeah, look, I mean, I'm of the view that, yeah, mathematically, they exist out there and there's a lot of people who are credible like mm. Pilots, etc. Of course, yeah. That you know, there's the old cooker from X Mouth who gives. Me <laughs> <laughs> I was abducted in my car, leaving the pot shot. Hey, um, he, he Squirrely co-hosts every now and then, so leave him alone. I wasn't <laughs> knocking Squirrely. I wasn't knocking X Mouth. I was just merely saying there's a distinction between people who've seen things <laughs> and people who are seeing things. Hundred percent. But yeah, it, the first thing I think of is is straight away is that is uh, is it what is it serving to distract us from? So, um, I just wish they'd do something already, though. Like this sitting and waiting in the shadows game. It's come on, I'm bored. Yeah, you know this threat of nuclear war between the US and Russia. I can't, I'm trying to desensitize to it now. 
I need an intergalactic threat to the planet to mobilize some sort of humanist nationalism to bring us all together. <laughs> well, that's the conspiracy theory. Did you know that? It that's wouldn't surprise me. That's the conspira- a unifying event to bring yeah. humanity together. We're under attack. There you go. Yeah. This is our Independence Day. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you. Jeff Goldblum's come back for one last. <laughs> 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 it's and like the best you- Oscar goes to. So the, the, but that that has been the conspiracy theory for so many years. The the, the uh, what was it? The NWO is going to be is going to trigger an event where we all need to get a vaccination, and it's going to be a microchip. That didn't obviously. I don't buy into the microchipping sort of stuff, but uh, it started to play out this vaccination. Uh, sort of idea and then the, at, at one point there's going to be a, a false flag event where they will attack the world with quote unquote ufos it'll be our own stuff but it'll be a unifying event where we have to come together under the one flag one currency all to fucking uh, fight this out intergalactic opposition pearl harbor but with satellites until yeah. the war's over and then it's about carving up how the the earth is ruled again exactly. like with every single war so, so that's the that's that that's the conspiracy theory has been for the last 20 years and if i uh, tell you what if we get attacked by ufo's i'll start going what the fuck i'll start getting well, uh, let's face it we're, as a as like a, a point in civilization and as a people we hmm. are not good soldiers to go up against like intergalactic foes that might descend upon the earth no like Probably like the softest freaking generation of humans <laughs> that's just about ever, ever lived. You know, people might be probably wanting to take a selfie with the alien instead of, you know, yeah. like railing I'd, to I'd like, would. you know, the common cause. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just hope the Wagner group fights on our side. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, let's talk about that because fuck, that coup was. Uh, um, we, 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 we put up a little theory and it went a little viral um, with that money going missing or the. Oh, sorry, not going missing the money that they promised the ukraine they overestimated what they were it was an accounting error of yeah, six billion dollars account- yeah it? six billion dollars fucking here you go here's an extra bit of money um uh, our theory was and it wasn't just our theory we'd heard other people say it uh was that the wagner group basically took it gave it to putin pretended to overthrow and then uh he took the money himself um we got a lot of hate for that but it seems a fucking lot more logical than uh, where did look, it go. I don't think anyone knows for certain. Um, there's a few different explain explanations floating around. I saw one, um, which was that there is uh, grumblings within the Ukraine, uh, sorry, Russian military and the army. They're sick of Putin's um, gloves on approach and incremental, yep. careful movements. They just want to get this over and done with. Yeah, let's finish the war. Yeah, uh, we can do it. They don't <laughs> like sitting and waiting. I do like, um, and this is where I do gravitate towards a Trump or a RFK of the ending the war. I liked the way um, both RFK and uh, Trump have both said uh, it's not about beating Russia. It's about, and uh, so eloquently put by Trump, I want people to stop dying. Like, it is. It's about stopping the war. It's not about one side winning and one side losing. It is about... Stopping people dying, and the poor people of Ukraine are stuck in the middle of this fucking proxy war. It's well, the irony, though, isn't it, of the mobilization of like the masses in support of the war? They all think that they're doing the Ukrainian average person a massive favor. Like, you know, these people are getting slaughtered, annihilated in the thousands. And I've been hearing that um, apparently they like, you know, to, to, to fill the ranks of the Ukrainian army, they're basically having to abduct people. Right? 14 million people have already left Ukraine. Because, you know, like the, the, the destabilisation, the prospect of having to serve in a fruitless war. So mm. it's just insane. 
Yeah. We're talking numbers of 300 to 350,000 casualties. Yeah. That's I mean, that's right. an entire... That's the First World War numbers. Yeah. It's, incre- it's, it's not incredible. It's fucking disastrous. And it's... Um, <coughs> This, uh, uh, I think Mike Pence was running on the idea that we need to keep the war going. We need to beat Russia. It's, and well, Tucker put an end to his political career. <laughs> Fuck, <days>. didn't he? <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Did you see that? What no, you? I haven't seen it. I'm just thinking I'm missing out now. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, actually, the I love the start of that. Or oh, not the start of that. The did you hear the question is like how many <laughs> how many COVID shots did you have? No, I missed that part of it. So Tucker said to Pence, "How many COVID shots did you have?" And uh, Pence <laughs> replied, well, "How many have you had?" And he's like, "None." And the crowd just went, Whoa! <laughs> "It was just uh, yeah, it was great to see." But um, yeah, he did. He sh- he shut that down because he 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 said he was in support of. He didn't care about American cities. No. Something like that. It was like, you know, in terms of justifying expenditure to Ukraine, why aren't we spending it at home? You know, classic populist argument. But, yeah, I can't believe Mike Pence was so poorly media trained. You walked into that one. It was Mm. an absolute horror. But I tell you what, Mm. the Ukrainian flags are coming out of the uh, social media bios and profile pictures, aren't they? Fuck, man. Oh, God. Remember how all in people went on that? Yeah. It's just... Yeah, but they d- it it happens all the time. Like I fell for it. Like I my memories come back, and they are really good to to really just check myself and go, "You were a fucking, you were one of them. You were that." As you well. jumped on board. Yeah, like the you know the pride stuff. Uh, I you know, and you could change your Facebook mm. thing to a rainbow color. This was like twelve years, eleven go years ago, whatever. You put a frame on. I changed mine to the pride, and like I, f- not that I um, dislike like gay people or LGBTQ or um, it's not like anything against that. But again, it's more of a, why the fuck did I do that? Why was I that? Who the fuck is that guy? Like there's no way I would be leaning into that sort of superficial um, nothing event. I I get that that people think representation matters, but me putting a pride fucking filter over the top of my, over my profile picture doesn't help anything. I think mostly it's showing that you're concerned about how, the public sort of moral compass will perceive you. Yes, you know, I want to be part of the. I'm only part of the group. Yes, you know, um, I'm not one of them. Yeah, um, I think that's sort of what it's about. But you know, that's, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because we live in a day and age where everybody wants to, you know, go in with the crowd rather than just mm. live your truth you know, silently. Yeah, public perception. On that point, though, I think uh, in that issue and all those issues, people have had enough of the politics of shame. Mm. You know, yeah. this shaming evil, if you're not doing it, you're on their team, yes. you know, and people just had enough of that. Yeah. And I think that whole method of persuading and winning over people is, is breaking. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, well, when John Pinder was on, he made a <clears throat> great point of like, because he was neither here nor there. He didn't give a fuck. He was just like, oh, just whatever. And like, I reckon, you know, probably 70, 60% of the population were the same. Just like, I don't give a fuck. You have the extreme left, extreme right, and then the, the middle, which mm. was the vast majority. And you said that the right uh, people have gone right out of spite, and it's more of a like, yeah, okay, I get what you're saying, but I'm fucking over it. Stop pushing it in my face, like, mm. and um, 
I, I totally see it happening in every aspect, in all of the... I don't like using woke, the word woke anymore, but all of that woke culture stuff. Um, yeah. Neo-progressivism, that's the word you can use in lieu of woke, Branchy. Neo-progressivism. Yeah. Sounds far more intellectual as well. Yeah. Fucking nice, neo-progressivism. Because I don't like the word woke either. Yeah, it's... Um, it seems to be it's it seems to have been tarnished. Yeah. Well, phrases just get bandied around and they become sort of hackneyed. And I don't think anybody there's like really a consensus about mm. what it truly means as well. So you got all these people banding around a word as a slogan. Yeah. And no one even like we're not all on the same page about what it means. Well, woke was initially uh, like for people who had woken up, who had were awake to. Um, You'd see it was a compliment, not a pejorative. Yeah, it was the opposite. It was uh, you see that the war in Iraq is a fucking sham, and you write hashtag woke at the end of your your comments on it. You know that it, that movement has been hijacked by the 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 lefty like posturing uh, to a <laughs> I guess uh, posturing to the. I, I see it differently. I don't see it uh, as a sort of failing of one side. I see it as more of a infiltration from the top down because the story of our political lives was the radicalization of the conservative parties mm. and that fundamental changing of their economic philosophy to embrace neoliberalism and deregulation, deindustrialization, low taxes, no government, small government mm. um, type philosophy. And I think that that sort of corruption of one side of politics jumped this aisle and now it exists in, in left-wing politics and that's why it's so divorced from... Uh, reality and these insane ideas that aren't really connected to anything, uh, mm. and I think that's what's happened. I don't think it's one side that's just you know gone bad because that's they're true. bad. Yeah, I think it's a corruption of the ideas that underpin their beliefs. Mm. And of course, we do see the people who lean into these sorts of ideas uh, really starting to struggle. Well, because they can't defend them. Yeah, this is it, and they won't defend them. And what I learned before, you know, the vaccine thing was, uh, you can't negotiate in good faith with a bad religion. And modern left wing politics is a bad religion, mm. uh, and it's got all the hallmarks of religion. You know, it's intolerant. You know, they're dogmatic. Yeah. They're authoritarian. And yeah. if you don't camel toe the party line, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Well, COVID was a a good wake up call for a lot of people. I'm even seeing it now. Like my parents, um, you see the issues that my mum had. With her, uh, I have to say, allegedly now, allegedly vaccine injury, um, because the doctors won't pin it to that. But they they've said she had a um, a a genetic mutation in her blood that made her more prone to getting blood clots. And I was like, okay, cool. So what triggered the blood yeah, clot? What um, triggered the mutation? Yeah, yeah. well, the mutation you, you can be born with um, with this this issue. But what that means is that that mutation then makes you very vulnerable to potential blood clots for whatever reason something can trigger it um and for her whole life she's never had an issue and then for one random reason she started getting some issues about three or four weeks after getting her first vaccine and they still won't attribute it to that which is quite odd and i won't name names but i know there's a few doctors that i've spoken to who said they're not really allowed to well the gulf between what Doctors say publicly and what they say privately is enormous. enormous. And but this is the thing, everything in society, what people are willing to say publicly and what they say privately mm. is so different and the gulf is becoming so wide and it makes you wonder how long it can hold. But, mm. yeah, these doctors, I'd like to know more about, you know, the pressure that's being exerted on them at a professional level 
mm. to keep certain things out of their medical notes for liability purposes and uh, maintaining the prestige of the profession. Because let's be honest, the medical profession's got huge questions to answer. Yeah. And this is uh, something Chafee brought up <coughs> the other week. They're, they're regurgitating the information that they're being taught over the years. But if the, the information they're being taught is uh, controlled by uh, a centralised business that profits from them prescribing drugs as opposed to sourcing or fixing the cause of their issues, um, when you're never going to have a positive result it's uh, it's always gonna it's always gonna lean towards here have this pill to fix this problem instead of hey you should stop eating that food or you should maybe do a bit of regular exercise or was it rockefeller robbie that sort of transformed american uh medical science and funded all those universities and yeah rockefeller put in they had the adjacent pharmaceutical businesses yeah i don't know if they had the adjacent pharmaceutical businesses but they definitely pumped heaps and heaps of money into um different medical research like you know like cured hookworm and stuff like this but it was ironic because like rockefeller was like really big on homeopathy um which my understanding is like basically like traditional yeah. styles of holistic medicine. and then the the, the, the philanthropic like you know, enterprise that he funded ended up basically becoming the scientific basis for the movement away from homeotherapy mm. um and into a more you know like you know scientific or um medically based sort of like point 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 of view but yeah i don't know if rockefeller owned the um the pharmaceutical companies that were creating the drugs to address the health issues that the rockefeller foundation was trying to deal with but it's very possible i know he's sort of like considered as the uh like the pin-up boy for philanthropy capitalism I love Ambrose Bierce's definition of a philanthropist. It's like a, a wealthy, middle-aged, balding white man whose conscience is picking his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Um, do you know what I want to do as well before I, I will forget? Um, I didn't do this last week. Uh, I stuffed up and I feel bad to the Patreons. So Patreons, I let ask questions and I let them know that you guys were coming on. So I'm going to ask you some questions from our Patreons. If you guys don't mind. I hope they're admissible. Um, so, uh, do you know the reason behind the sudden departure of Mark McGowan? Oh. <laughs> Does anyone have any theories? I heard. <laughs> Allegedly. On the grapevine, the scuttlebutt, uh, that he was having an affair with a Rockingham councillor and his wife found out. Mm, I also heard that rumour. I also heard that he was going from state daddy to baby daddy. Well, that's the room about Andrew Forrest too, hey? So he's busted up with his missus and apparently he's knocked up one of the lawyers that was working for him at either the investment arm of the Forrest Empire. <laughs> or, But FMG did an internal investigation and they cleared him of any wrongdoing. Oh, my Lord. But uh, Nicola didn't clear him of any wrongdoing. <laughs> I did also see old mate, uh, Justin Trudeau. Um, yeah, he's uh, separated, eh? And he asked for um, privacy because he has children. Um and I think... Uh, They're probably not even his. Yeah, I find it quite ironic that he would ask for privacy in this hard time because, yeah, he was not a fan of privacy himself and uh, monitoring and uh, surveillance state. But, uh, do as yeah. I say, not as I do. Don't, don't let hypocrisy get in the way. Yeah. Did you... So why am I hearing all of these things about potentially Justin Trudeau being gay and... Now this is this is am I seeing these like as because I follow 
sit and oh, I've seen it with the Obama one with like Ob- Michelle Obama's a bloke secretly. Oh, or big, oh big Mike. Yeah, but yeah. you know, like, actually, I don't care about elitist sexuality as long no. as you don't fuck kids. I haven't got a problem yeah, with. Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, Obama literally today he's the person who wrote his biography. Did you see this Rebel News yeah, reported? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who cares? I mean, he had um, yeah, exactly. Who he, cares? But why is that becoming a thing? Why am I seeing that everywhere? Oh, well, I think sexuality is a way to smear people. It always has been yeah. in terms of character assassinations. Mm. That scandal. Speaking of assassinations and Obama, um, did you see his chef died? Ah, uh, yeah, I did see that, yeah. Did you see the weird things? Now, we'll, I won't lean into the conspiracy that he was murdered, but like, there's some odd things that have happened there. Have you seen what? No, nah, so what's happened to his chef? So his chef died in a, uh, a tragic drowning in their lake on their island. Um, he was paddle boarding. Um, it was witnessed by another paddle boarder. Tried to get over to save him while he was drowning. Um, he fell off the board and wasn't leashed to it and drowned. Now, this is odd because, uh, one, uh, he's a very good swimmer. He's a, like, if you've seen the vision of him swimming in the past, he's, he can <laughs> swim very well. He's jacked as well. Now, we don't know the circumstances. Like Maybe no he was full of, you know, fentanyl or something. Yeah, exactly. So they're waiting. They're awaiting the toxicology report. There's no signs of a struggle or blunt trauma, which is a, was a conspiracy theory that went around, um, and that, that the Obamas had tried to stop the, the, the post-mortem, what do they call it? Yeah. Uh, is that what they call it? The, uh, the compo- autopsy. Autopsy. Um, that's all conspiracy theory. But, uh, yeah, very odd that they would say he's drowned when he's very el- quite clearly an elite swimmer. My other thought is potentially he had a heart attack while he was paddleboarding because there's no explanation for why he would just fall off and drown. Well, there's this thing about young people having heart attacks now. Mm. No one could figure out why. What, yeah, and then every single headline is like, oh, did you see the other the headline the other day? Climate change is giving people anxiety and causing an up, uh, a spike in heart attacks. Oh, wow. It's uh, solar flares, anxiety, cold water, hot water, exercise. I mean, what's going to be the next thing that causes things? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, anyone who claims to know is a charlatan in my view. Um, what do you think of the backflip? From the West Australian government in regards to the land size situation, hmm, what's that? Land size? I mean, well, I mean the, um, the heritage, heritage, heritage act. act. So, what is that? What the change is in the? They scrapped the legislation entirely, and they're going back to the 1972 model with a few tweaks, mm. uh, and it's a stunning humiliation, really. Mm. Uh, but you know, good on Roger Cook for putting his hand up and saying, you know, yeah, this stinks. It's unworkable. It's too complex. Mm. We're getting rid of it. Yeah. yeah, if we're going to be harsh on politicians and cynical, to yeah, you got like you know, like it's the one thing that's missing from public life is people being able to put their hands up and say, "I stuffed up," and I'm just going to say sorry for but it, you rather know than double down on it. Amuse me is like uh, all the time that money they got wasted with that, and then he came out and said, oh, "I apologize." So for the stress, confusion, and anxiety, what about an apology for the vaccine? Yeah, you know that caused way more stress, and you know, I ha- like we said, we hate to keep harping on about it, but. It was the most transformative event for many people's lives they've ever seen. It's huge. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty resilient person. I like to think I'm very resilient, pretty strong. Um, and I went through a lot during that time period. I went through a divorce. Um, I went through, you know, financial struggles because your your business gets shut down and you can't work. So you're sort of worrying about that. I'm trying to be a single dad. I'm trying to fucking be a good friend and. 
I was, ve- like I said, I'm very resilient, very tough, I think, myself. Um, and even I had like anxiety attacks, panic attacks, because I thought I was going to lose everything. I thought I was going to lose my daughter, the thing most important to me. Um, because if I can't afford to look after her, then she'd get taken away from me. And mm. um, and the fact that I w- wasn't going to get vaccinated, I-, I thought they would be like, well, no, you can't, you lose the right to be a you're so parent. You're now a risk to your child. Yeah, somehow. exactly. So I started yeah. to get all these. And I, I, I like, again, I'm a very strong person. If I'm having these sorts of struggles, imagine someone who's n- not built with resilience and hasn't, has had a, an easy upbringing. Like, no wonder there was an upheaval and fucking a surge in mental health problems and, and other issues because, you know, we, we live in a very unresilient society. And so if someone like me who I feel like I can really take things on the chin and do things, uh, do the hard things, is going to struggle and have anxiety attacks, debilitating anxiety, shaking attacks, fuck, what about that poor bloke who, or, or girl who, who can't handle it? You know, the thing for not me even an apology. Was, you know, and I've said this in my shows. Like, people who are on the other side of this argument will never know what it was like to be contemplating being ostracized and excluded from society for an indeterminate period of time. Mm. I mean, everything that I've worked towards in my life, you know, being an officer of the court, practicing law, stand up, that was all going to be taken away from me mm. because I didn't want the vaccine. Yeah. And to be contemplating that, you know, like you say, the stress and anxiety that caused. I mean, I remember waking up every day going, I hope that. This is a bad dream. Yeah. But it wasn't. Well, the fact that it's been shown yeah, emphatically that it was, one, it didn't do what it, they said it was going to do, which was stop you giving it to others. That was the whole thing. That was you're the being, main pitch. Yeah, you're being selfish. You're not... You're not um, you're, if, even though you're going to be safe, get it for other people. Um, and it was going to stop you from getting it. Both of them incorrect. So it ended up being a personal choice. It was a personal choice. Always should have been a personal choice. Even the the fact that they that when they started to have pushback against the fact that you you can still give it to other people and you can still get it. Well, you need to get it so you're better protected, so you don't fill up the fucking hospital system. Well, no, <laughs> that's not the case. I, I have uh, the. I, I was a. Not in a risk category. I was not in any danger at all. I don't care what anyone says. I was not. I had it and I, I got a little bit sick. That's it. And that's exactly what was going to happen. Don't, and people say, well, you got lucky. No, I didn't get lucky. That's exactly what it did to me. It's like when I get the flu. Sometimes you get it bad. Sometimes you get it worse. Depends on like if you're run down, if you're working too much, if you're drinking too much, if you're not eating right, whatever. Like there's so many different factors. I was doing all those things and yeah. I was fine when I got yeah. <laughs> But I was like, uh, I like run ultra marathons. I, I fucking eat healthy. I'm conscious of what I eat. I don't have fucking Panadol let alone a fucking injection that I that has been rushed into production that the company themselves that have created it have no liability against the ramifications of you having it. If the company who creates it aren't confident enough to say, yeah, we will, we will, <laughs> we will be uh, held accountable for anything that happens to you, then I'm not fucking comfortable enough to have it. Not and to I'm mention not a track record of criminal fraud. Yes. Yeah, yeah 100% of lying. Uh, knowingly giving people things that uh, that are going to make them sick or worse, it's and then like going on a date with Ted Bundy, knowing <laughs> Ted Bundy's past. <laughs> like, but everyone says he's such a good guy. You know? <laughs> and they see those cheekbones, and this is the thing about Justin Trudeau, right? Mm. And it's like imagine if Hitler looked like Justin Trudeau. But 
Third right would have come about so much easier <laughs> with the cheekbones and the smile and the PR. Mm. It is easy to see how the the, um, the the Nazi regime happened. Like you can see how they were charmed. And and ironically, it's all the people who don't think that they're Nazis that are the ones who enable this type of shit. Good Germans. You know, yeah. the, the quiet Australians. I never would have gone along them. with that. I never would have done that. Yes. Like, oh, I lo- have you seen James McCann's that's bit on that? That's the beauty of James's bit, right? Because, <laughs> and that's the only angle you can take from it when you've had the jazz, right? It's yeah. just like, I thought I would have been one of those people, but it turns out that I'm not. I'm a shill. <laughs> <laughs> I had... <laughs> I love that bit. I had a principle. <laughs> oh, that was uh, yeah. He's he's doing great things. People, that's sent him bonkers. Yeah, viral. yeah. I was a little bit filthy though because I had the vaccine misinformation labels on all my content when those video clips are coming out, and then yeah. those labels have disappeared from social media. They're now. gone. <laughs> they like, are gone. Mm. Uh, YouTube, YouTube seemed to put them at the bottom, um, but it's literally it's not even on the it's not on the post it's not on anything like that it's like in the the show notes sort of thing um misinformation disinformation malinformation all of this stuff when you see now and this is how i know i want to watch something if i see a reel come up and it says false information and it blocks it off with that little blur i want to watch it i want to watch it because i instantly go hmm i'll give it a watch now because i want to decide for myself a hundred percent and then i read the PolitiFact or whoever fucking does the, the fact-checking, I read their article to go, why do they say this is false information? And I'd say, okay, 50% of the time I go, yeah, they've made a good point. That's wrong because of this. I get it. 50% of the time I'm like, that's not what they're arguing. What do you – like you've you found one little falsehood or one little thing where you've changed the context of what they've said and and put it under the whole the, the whole article or the whole clip is false. I see, um, I see the whole fact-checking thing is just another layer of the whole misinformation thing as well, you know. Like censorship. Who, 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 are, who are these fact-checkers, you know? Like, how far are they removed are they from, um, you know, mainstream media sources, the sources that they're critiquing? Who they're are they funded by the to? same people. Well, this yeah. is right. So I'm just, I see it as this sort of, you know, like this really, like, a shallow veneer of trying to create, like, something respectable to, mm. to check truth. But I'm just like, nah, it's, it then, all looks bogus. But at the end of the day, like, we can see it. Every, I think everyone can see it now. They see it all unfolding, but it's like what you said. No one gives a fuck. No one, no one wants to. What? What? Like, what would happen? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going, as a person who uh, tries to bring attention to certain issues with the platform we have, and that's not that's just not doing anything. It doesn't do anything for for people to know. Like, uh, maybe it does a little bit, but like. You, if you if you know the information, nine times out of ten, you're still just going to go, eh. oh, well. Like, not many people would go to a protest. Well, it's not funny. Many. You know, I, I find this um, apathy to be more prevalent amongst younger people. You know, like I used to knock the boomers a lot. But say what you will about the boomers. At least they're interested in things still. Mm. Um, the younger generation, the Zoomers, they've got an utter disinterest. And you see it when you go to a writer's festival. Yeah. Uh, and the demographics, and I see it at stand up. The people that want to come and talk to me afterwards, you know, they're older. Yeah, you know, young people are just tuned out. It's uh, this ultimate apathy, and they're the ones that have got the most to lose, mm. but they've got the least skin in the game. Yeah, young, the youth is yeah, an interesting one because they've obviously been they're, they're, they're at this sort of stage in their life where instant gratification. Um, they get everything they want when they want it, and if they don't, they fucking 
chuck a little shit fit. But they also have this odd difference where they yeah at one they want everything then and there, but also they don't care as well. They're just so. Devoid. They don't care about the things that matter, really. It, you know, I like think they care the about you know point, the yeah. image and status, yes. but politically they're disinterested. Yeah, and they think it doesn't affect them. Mm. Um, Why do you can't afford a house, you muppets? Because <laughs> <laughs> generations of housing policy have led you to this. Yeah, uh, it is that thing where it's sort of like long uh, these little things that happen. There's uh, baby steps. They sort of they inch it in slowly, bit by bit. Mm. And then eventually you're like, fuck. The incremental, just push, push, push. Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I'm seeing it <laughs> everywhere. But, uh, but yeah. So, and then um, obviously uh, you brought it up before, Ukraine, Russia. Uh, we are edging towards World War Three, And again, no one seems to give a fuck. Well, it's funny because, I mean, the war's practically over with the Ukrainians, but the speculation that the Poles and the Lithuanians who have designs on Western Ukraine may go in on their own, not as part of a NATO force, but although they're part of NATO. Mm. Um, and Putin said, if you you know cross the border into Ukraine, you'll never leave, which was pretty menacing remarks. And I watched something last night that the, Ukra- the Russians attacked a port uh, on the border with Romania mm-hmm. with a hypersonic missile, you know, sent a signal. It's like, if anyone's thinking about it, I uh, wouldn't advise. Uh, so, yeah, it just makes you wonder how much longer can it go on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's been so much destruction of human life and Putin's made his point. There's no chance of dislodging Russia from their position. Crimea is not going back into Ukrainian hands. Mm. Whether Ukraine still exists as a country remains to be seen after this. But Yeah, well, it's going to be rebuilt, mate. I don't know if you're well, saying... Well, Twiggy had $700 million to go over there and give Zelensky. But I tell you what, the, um, the flights of comedians going over to greet Zelensky have stopped, haven't they? Oh. I haven't seen anyone uh, in the press going to get their photo mm. with Zelensky. What the fuck was Greta Thunberg doing with Zelensky? Oh, mate. Well, shouldn't she be saying this is not good for the environment? (laughs) (laughs) Surely that's the only conversation (laughs) they... I'm really angry with you. (laughs) Surely that's the only conversation they can have. That is for for media. They're both symbols of truth and freedom now. Oh, fuck. This is interesting. Climate change has become an ideology because I'm quite, I'm very supportive of not polluting the world and living in a cleaner environment. I'm very supportive of it. But now uh, climate change has become a left and right wing ideology argument. And I don't like that either. It feels like the all of these, and this is not left or right, this is both sides hijack their own sort of movements and, and use them for their own political gain. And I don't, I'm, why can't I just want to recycle? Why can't I just be want to be an activist in certain ways but then not be lumped into this group? Why can't I be an anti-establishment person and not be lugged into this group? Like, I, I like to see the middle way and I think that's the best way to, to see life and I'm seeing it with even climate change. I also noticed this in 2021 when it was the breakdown of trust in experts and then people mm. started to go, well, how much science can we trust? And it called into question other science mm. and... You know, I think there's legitimate issues with the way the climate change issue is dealt with. Mm. But for me, I mean, the science of the, you know, global warming, it's pretty uh, conclusive, you know, especially when you think the increased carbon into the water in the oceans makes it more acidic. Yeah. Changes the pH. So there are all sorts of environmental uh, things that we need to address. But, you know, lefties and that whole that whole 
progressivism is toxic right now. Mm. And it, it's so funny to see it happen in my lifetime. Yeah. You know? It happened quickly. And it used to be conservatives who walked out of my shows. <laughs> and now it's lefties and, and conservatives like me, you know? Yeah. Mm. my mind. Yeah. It's interesting. And again, the public um, perception, the pendulum is swinging. And uh, I'm very happy that, I, that it's happening because it's, uh, I think it's a nicer world to live in when, ev- when it, everyone's going back to the middle. The sensible centre. Yeah, the sen- sensible centre is the perfect um, analogy. But um, yeah, I love it. So, um, how, are we, how are we going going? We're about an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Is there anything you guys wanted to bring up? Yeah. What else have we got? Oh, this is what I wanted to cover. Uh, the Sofronoff report, the inquiry into the Brittany Higgins trial. Oh, yes. The ACT chief prosecutor. Yep. Oof. Yeah. There's some findings made against He's re- resigned. Uh, okay. First of all, the government got the report and it was so damning, they wanted to sit on it for a month to figure out how they were going to deal with it. Uh, so, yeah. um, And then it got leaked to the Australian uh, and the... Findings are brutal. Saying so explain for, <coughs> I know br- briefly what you're talking about, so but the, the listeners who might not know anything. Yeah, so going back to 2021 with the Brittany Higgins saga, um, she was allegedly raped in Parliament House, she claimed, and there was, um, I guess, a, a politicisation of her case and it was used for uh, a political agenda, but it went to trial in the ACT Supreme Court and when it was originally supposed to go to trial, uh, Lisa Wilkinson, in her infinite wisdom, did a logie speech and said that, you know, uh, she was telling the truth, essentially uh, polluting the public mind against Bruce Lerman. Uh, That trial had to be aborted. The second one uh, went awry, but there was an inquiry that the prosecutor called for Mm. in the aftermath of the trial. He called for an inquiry, and all the things that he brought to the attention of the inquirer were dismissed as baseless, and all his conduct was put under the microscope, and he lied to the Supreme Court. Fuck. Great ironic comeuppance though, isn't it? Oh, I mean, he falsely advanced uh, claims of legal professional privilege to deny access to documents to Lerman's legal team. The uh, Sofronov said that it was a, a game of poker in which he held all the cards designed to uh, not give them to the other opponent, to Fuck. not give them a fair trial. And it cuts to the heart of people's faith in their institutions mm. and the ability that you can go and get a fair trial and have uh, faith in... You know, the officers of the court too, being able to conduct their job uh, in a detached manner. And he had his own personal ambitions involved, I think. Mm. Uh, and pff, he's thrown away a career. I mean, if that was in Western Australia and he did that, he would have been appointed to the Supreme Court. But, uh, or maybe not. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it, it's a very tawdry affair. And like we said earlier with the KPMG stuff, like everything is corrupt and all of these institutions are failing us. And, once again, the biggest loser in the whole thing is Brittany Higgins. Mm. And that's the saddest thing to think about it, I think. She's been taken advantage of by the, those journalists, Lisa Wilkinson's and the ruling class kennel witches. Um, they didn't care about her. They only cared about their own vanity, advancing their own agenda. Yeah. Katie Geller the same. Uh, and she was failed by the DPP now too. I mean, where does it? how far else does it go? Mm. And, this and what if Bruce Lerman's innocent? I mean, he sounds like a Nepo baby from way back. You know, he walked out of... The US as an 18 year old straight into a job as a staffer in federal parliament. Mm. Uh, what kind of nepo pick is that? Yeah. Might I ask. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a scandal you could write a book about, be a great movie, but uh, our institutions are failing us. Mm. Keep saying it. It's, it's, that's the common theme of this episode. People's lack of ethics. The, 
no matter what the issue is, we I don't think we can see a fair um, judgment on it, uh, or no one can be held to account. Uh, the the Biden stuff is a perfect example of that. Like it's you, we we see genuine influence peddling. We see it, and it's not not only does it not make the news, it's not being investigated. It's being completely ignored by the FBI. Mm. Like this is a the, when we see that happening in front of us, of course we start to lose face in everything. When the when the the leader of the free world is potentially uh, what's the word? In, not influence. It's uh, what's the word when you're. Um, We'll just say corrupt. Uh, when the leader of the free world is corrupt and being um, influenced by foreign agents, that's that's surely something that needs to be at least investigated. That's just the world we live in now. Like corruption's out in the open. The elites don't care because they sense that pff, there's no accountability for these things. You know. But there's accountability one way, which makes me start going. Why are they doing that to Trump? He can be held accountable for anything. But he, but Biden can't be held accountable for this, and this makes me very. That's making me look at it, going, "This is a one-sided. This is a partial justice system. It's not fucking. It's not like one. What is it? No one is above the law. It's fucking yeah. Whoever suits the political agenda or the narrative, and we see it with uh, the Brittany Higgins stuff as well. It's like what 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 drives forward the the political agenda that we're trying to. Push. Yeah, well, look, I mean, in that climate of 2021, the Me Too thing was still quite hot. Mm. Um, and it was a way to attack the government, mm. really. And it was used politically. And it should have just been kept as... A cr- and I think if Brittany Higgins had a time again, she would do things very differently. Mm. I don't think she would let herself be taken advantage of by uh, political sharks and journalists. Mm. Use that word loosely. But, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very tawdry affair. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, I just feel terrible for Brittany Higgins, really. Like, out of this whole thing, she's just been, pill, you know, smashed from pillar to post, mm. left, right and centre. Um, isn't that the I- issue with a lot of uh, people who suffer sexual harassment? Oh, or yeah. Assault? yeah. This is the unresolvable, like, issue that we're faced with because um, we have this tension between the system that, re-victimises people who have already, you know, alleging to have gone through really traumatic things. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side of it, um, we've got the, the presumption of innocence. Mm. You know, like, we can't drop the standard of proof in terms of, you know, for something like this, we're going to take away somebody's liberty. So how can we negotiate the um, place between wanting to make sure the victims can come forward and have their day in court and not be completely re-traumatised, but also protect the integrity of our legal system. And there's a good reason that we have a high um, evidential bar for criminal matters is because we know that the state will take advantage of it to put away people if we don't have a high criminal standard. So I think that's the, the, the irreconcilable problem that we sort of have at this moment is how do we stop the system from re-victimising people who have already been horrifically abused mm. but also protect um, a core foundational block of the criminal legal justice system which is the presumption of innocence and a beyond reasonable doubt evidential standard. 
But there's a reason these problems haven't been solved for a long time because they're extremely difficult. Yeah. You know, it's intractable <laughs> and no one's been able to solve it. And yeah, it's an imperfect system and all these systems designed by humans are going to be imperfect. But uh, mm. Mm. it is, it is, you see it um, even in cases, I guess the, the law's an interesting one. You two have both been lawyers. It's is actually great um, to have you on because Assange is a perfect example. Like telling truth... Like factually correct journalism has been punished with, like, like his dad said, it, you, they've tried to drive him crazy. It's been called treason, which is ridiculous because I don't see how a guy who's not a national of the United States could be charged under U.S. law, which was brought in during World War One to mm-hmm. stop anti-war sentiments getting out, being called a tra- a traitor of the United States. He no, owes no allegiance to that country. No, he is not a traitor. You have to be a traitor. You have to. You have to be loyal to something. You have mm. to belong. You have to belong. But here is an argument that he did belong to Australia, and we are an American colony. Yeah. So therefore, that's what, that's, what, that's what the rap news episode says, yeah. you know. Yeah, but so what's the what's the legal stuff there? Do you guys are you guys across that? Defer to this gentleman here. Oh yeah. look, the the legal side of it's really complicated, you know, like because there's been so many layers of it um, of legal process. Like originally. You know, before Julian went into the Ecuadorian embassy, he was fighting the European arrest warrant that Sweden had issued, which was seeking his extradition to um, Sweden. And he tried to fight that. I read this judgment just the other week on Mm. the basis that the Swedish prosecutorial office was not a judicial authority for the purposes of the extradition act that they were seeking to do it under. Yeah. So basically, long story short for that one, like the, 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 the High Court in Britain threw that one out. So then he was going to be extradited to Sweden. And mm. that was when he went and sought asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy and was then charged with jumping bail um, <laughs> in respect of the Swedish warrant. Yeah. And then since then, they've been seeking to extradite him. And at the first instance... Uh, the, the the judge who decided the case, Vanessa Barista, she ruled against extradition, not on the grounds that the extradition was politically motivated, which is absurd because it obviously is, mm-hmm. but on the grounds that she couldn't be certain that Julian's health and mental health would be protected to the point that he wasn't a legitimate suicide risk in the United States. So when the United States appealed that decision, they gave all of these assurances to the appellate court that weren't given to the first instant court, saying basically we won't, we won't subject him to this thing called SAMs, which are special administrative measures, which basically can be used to put you in solitary confinement, restrict who you communicate with. Torture, um, basically. More, more or less, but on, on the appeal level, the, the, the main issue was whether or not the court could take into account information and assurances that wasn't put before the original court, bringing new evidence before it, basically. Mm. I can't remember exactly what the reasoning was, but long story short, it was um, oh, the United States has been a wonderful ally of the United Kingdom for a long time and leaders of democracy in the world, and we can trust their assurances. And the thing that was like, that was the, the most um, toxic about the whole trial was is that the CIA had been spying on Julian Assange through a Spanish security firm that ran the security at the embassy, yeah. and they were watching all of his le- all of his meetings with his lawyers. So the trial should have been abandoned from the get go, just because legal professional privilege had been had been breached, which is a foundational, you know, core principle of the law that we can go and speak to our lawyers, mm. not be listened to. What we tell them is secret, and that we can figure out with our lawyers how we're going to best adjudicate our case. So 
Um, it's a it's a judicial farce as far as I'm concerned, and the independence of the judiciary is going to be judged very harshly mm. by history, depending on who writes the history book. But in in, in my opinion, um, the 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 British judiciary system has just done what its corporate what its masters in Washington have dictated, and it's an, it's an, it's a disgrace. Fuck! It's it's incredible to watch something like this unfold everyone probably i'd say this would be a 90 percent of people feel the same as well that this is a a ridiculous thing that someone like him can be in prison for for reporting truths he made a lot of enemies in the media as well because by getting the scoops that he did and making the revelations that he did he shamed them into doing their own job Mm. and showed how cozy that they were with the centers of power that they're supposed to be critiquing because that's you know we, we we vaunt the media is the fifth estate, right? This, you know, loyal watchdog of the public. It's going to hold ke- power well, to account. Well, it's meant to be, isn't it? To yeah. make sure that um, centres of power aren't misbehaving and abusing their power. And what we've seen over the last 20, 30 years, probably more, is mainstream media cozying up more and more to the centres of power that they're supposed to critique to mm. the point where they, you know, they probably all go into the... The kids all go to the same schools. They're running in the same show, social circles. Mm. It's about proximity to power and access to it rather than critiquing it. Mm. And if you're a legit journalism, you should be wearing as a badge of honour the fact that the centres of power hate you. If, mm. you, if, if they hate you, you're doing your job well. Yeah. And that, that's the thing you see with the, the lack of reporting on certain issues. You start to wonder what's going on, but you can see that they're sponsored. And they're sponsored by the same people or owned by the same majority share ownership. However you want to frame it, they're owned by the same people who own the... Uh, weapons manufacturing companies or they own the the pharmaceutical companies that uh, they're supposed to be reporting on and against and keeping as a neutral um, media source for the general public to see. But it's it's not. It's bought and paid for by the same people who want to control the narrative. The other trick they try to pull with Julian Assange is they try to say that he's not a he's not a legitimate publisher. He's not a real journalist. You know, which what is, is a real? What do you need a, a fucking doctorate? What is there a thing with that? No, yeah, well, you, you te- no, that was apparently the- you need a degree to be a journalist. But I'd argue <laughs> that most of the journalists on TV they're not really true journalists in terms of like journalistic spirit. Like they're stenographers of officialdom. Mm. But like if you have a like something on Substack or Reddit or something like, and you're a, a, a diligent fucking reporter on certain issues, it shouldn't matter. Like if you're writing. Um, oh, good independent journalists are still making good money on Substack. Like Matt Toby's killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seymour Hirsch's got a Substack. I mean, the, the, you can find these things, but you have to go and pay for good journalism. This mm. is, we've taken it for granted our whole lives, mm. um, and you have to pay for for good journalism. Uh, but you know what? I think the saddest thing about the journalist Assange thing is for me is just the the deafening silence of everyone in that profession, because ultimately the lesson of this is that. That can come for you too. Yeah, you're next. You're next. And at first, we didn't speak up when they came for Julian. Well, it was like, you know, that whole riddle. And who's left to speak up? I mean, it's left to art, really. And that's the saddest thing about it. What's the move forward for him? Is there a is there a play in which we potentially see him come back and be extradited? Or I don't think so. I think there's uh, could come any day now. I think there's um, at some administrative level, there's a decision being made on a final appeal, which we're not overly 
um, optimistic on. And if that's denied, he's got no further appeal avenues. Um, the British Home Secretary, Priti Patel's already signed off on the extradition um, order or whatever document you know, formalises the extradition. <laughs> so if, if the High Court rules against this final appeal, then he's done. He's going over to the United States. His best hope is if, 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 he, if he, the Yanks will send him over to Australia to serve out his time here, mm. but I'm not very optimistic and I'll be watching very closely and very interestedly to see to what extent they hold up any assurances that they gave at the appeal level that I talked to you about previously about making sure that he's not subjected to torturous-like conditions mm. and having you know special administrative measures placed on him. I'm not optimistic. I fully expect that they're just going to treat him like absolute garbage and break him even more than he's already been broken because this is the thing and this is one thing that annoys me about the Andrew Tate thing as well, with him talking about himself being the most persecuted man in the world. And don't get me wrong, the system's undoubtedly coming after that guy. But Julian Assange has been in Belmarsh Prison mm. for you know several years now in high security, so, you know, solitary confinement a lot of the time. Before that, he was in the Ecuadorian embassy. That guy is the most persecuted man in the world. That guy is the one who's threatened the system more than anybody else. Mm. Um, this is not me trying to throw shade at Andrew Tate, but yeah. it's, just, it's just one thing that he, when I hear him say certain things, it yeah. annoys me. I'm just like, you know what, mate? Like Julian Assange is yeah. a far bigger martyr than you. Mm. It is. It, it doesn't matter who it is, obviously. These sorts of people who are attacked by the mainstream media or the establishment. Yeah. There's usually a reason for it. And it's because they're threatened. The, they're the threatening power. something. They're threatening yeah. the... Embarrass them. That's why he'll never be out, allowed out because he lifted the lid and showed everyone the, co- the fire inside the cauldron and how power abs- actually works in this mm. world. And, you know, those WikiLeaks disclosed. I mean, the, the cable about Ukraine and yeah. the ambassador saying this will cause war. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Nyet means Nyet, authored by the guy who's now the head of the CIA. Yeah. Um, so many just the stuff about Pfizer yeah. and their conduct in Nigeria and the lengths they went to to minimise any payout that they were going to have to give in that part of the world. Mm. Um, we know all these things because of Julian Assange and probably not Julian, Chelsea Manning first and foremost. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Julian published it. Yeah, and the way the establishment made a beeline for him. I don't think anyone can ever forget that the the harmonisation of well, it the made place. a beeline for him after they'd taken certain. Great stories, and um, mm. you know, tried to do real journalism for about five minutes, and then mobilised to the cause of smearing him thereafter, mm. yeah, giving the, no thanks the, for any of the information. And shout the out to the Guardian, cowards. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it is one of those things that I I watch unfold um, as someone who loves, I guess, quote unquote, journalism. Um, and I, li- I like sort of public talk and public debate and being able to talk about what you want and freedom of speech, um, especially when it's true. And seeing someone like that with all of the attention that it's getting, which it still is getting an- enough attention, it's still no no, you know, no it's one's going to do that. anything. He's the second Australian journalist to be targeted by the Americans. Mm-hmm. The other thing we know from the WikiLeaks disclosures was uh, a fellow by the name of Wilfred Burchett and after the Americans dropped the atomic weapons in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, he went in there as a foreign journalist mm. and was finding out things that were contradicting the official narrative about the fallout and the, you know, the devastation that had been caused by the dropping of the atomic weapons. Yeah. Americans hated him. Got to the point where the Australian government, under pressure from the Americans, cancelled his passport, left him stateless, 
Fuck. And then Fidel Castro got word of this <sighs> and issued him an honorary uh, Cuban passport. Really? So travel. All oh, right. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Wilfred Burchett. Wilfred mm. Burchett. Wowzers. Fucking hell. Well, they don't teach that in the journalism curriculum at <laughs> university. <laughs> Who's Wilfred Burchett? Fucking hell. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I think that's sort of enough information for everyone today. That's been a lot. We've been back and forth a bit. Uh, one thing we can take from this episode is it's not not really it's it's not really a great message, but like um, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't seem like we can make a difference. <laughs> it doesn't feel like we can do anything about it. What does it mean that we shouldn't th- have high standards for our institutions, though? And that's what I was about to say. What do you think we can do? Is there anything we can do? From your opinions. I think staying engaged is a huge one. Um, You know, I think Julian said it himself. Like, you know, people say, ask, what can I do? And he says, he said that the the lessons or the answer is not that hard. It's like, get informed, be engaged, understand how power works. Take the time to understand and not just take for granted the system and the structures that exist around you and presume that they're just... um, here for your benefit or to do right by you. It's about taking the time to understand power, to critique it and mm. the system, and to, get, to be engaged with what's going on around you. Yeah. I kind of think, you know, I don't like the narrative or the message of hopelessness or powerlessness. I yeah. think, you know, those things aren't entirely true, although we may seem, feel that they are. Yeah. In our despair at the reality of the world. Um, <coughs> I forgot what I was going to say then. <laughs> Thought escapes me. That's all good. Well, Branchy, um, when I had a conversation with you at Corey's gig the other week, mm-hmm. I mentioned coming on here doing a rap. Oh, yes. Of, uh, Have you prepared? I've, I've, I've got a little little gift for the podcast <laughs> if you're happy for me to uh, perform, uh, perform it for the pod. So happy. Do you need music? I, I do. I brought my Bluetooth speaker with me. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've come prepared. I'm going to get Corey to, to, to pull the beat up for me. It's before we, <coughs> we rip into it. Do you it. want to just... You can put the beat to the actual roadcaster if you connect to that, is that and it'll go into our headphones. Okay. Um, I don't really know how to do that, but... I'll detach from the roadcaster, and then if you've got the beat... Uh, just as a bit I of a... Bluetooth um, to put this on? Uh, yes, Bluetooth, and then search for the roadcaster Pro. Uh, this is... Incredible. So, look, as a as a bit of a, I'll sort of give a little bit of a summary about yes, the, the intention of what we're trying to sort of go for. Yes. So, it's sort of it's half like a birthday pod for the cast, even though it's like sorry, yeah, birthday sort of you know like thing for the for, for the podcast. But I suppose a summary of the journey of the podcast up until this point, how I see oh. see it in the cultural space. I love it, and uh, just sort of. Pumping you guys up a little bit as well. <laughs> well, a little bit of shade thrown here and we're here and here, here and there, but you know, you know, yeah, lighthearted. Before he that. does this, I just want to just say to everyone a disclaimer: I had nothing to do with any of these. <laughs> 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 that yes. sends an ominous message when Corey's wanting to distance himself from it to begin with. <laughs> Normally, it's the other way around. It's me. It's me being like, "Oh shit, I don't know about that, mate." <laughs> no, I only want to distance myself because it's sentimental and sappy. Oh, you know? that's nice. And that's not me. All right, I'm, I can't find Roadcaster coming up in the Bluetooth. Oh, I've sorry. got Bride Selection Computer. Oh. Okay. Now, um, it's all right. Uh, you could probably connect it to that one. Um, if you connect to that one and put it near your mic when he's uh, thinking, then he can rap to it. But um, 
That's very, uh, this is very thoughtful. I like that. Oh, look. Uh, that was a great night as well. Just uh, like Reserve judgment until you've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I might think it's fucking hate and think it's whack. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be, uh, it's a great way to uh, finish the pod. Um, I, so uh, isolated, I can't even connect to a speaker. And unfortunately, I haven't uh, been able to commit this to memory. So I've got my, uh, I've got the aid here. But um, that's fine. It's, it's about three and a half minutes. So <laughs> yes. it's a, it's a, it's Did it's you a get this beat on uh, Spotify? No, nah, I got it on uh, YouTube. Some sorry, audience viewers, you might have to uh, listen to a fifteen-second advertisement. I'll be muted. Stay with us. Worry. Uh, what's the beat again? Uh, what's love? Oh yes. <laughs> you know the tracks? <laughs> but yeah, well, I, I'm. Potentially, if it's the one I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I've got a lot of. Is, before you do it, actually, because that's how we can finish this episode. Um, do you guys want to plug anything while you're uh, before we finish? Yeah, I mean Melbourne, twenty uh, sixth of August, doing a show there at my beloved Exford Hotel. Love it. Uh, they can afford bounces, unlike the previous venue. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone wants to punch on afterwards, <laughs> just so you know that. And they're good blokes too, and not yeah, just because sure. they bashed a comedian that we know. <laughs> uh, and then I'm in Sydney uh, from about the 14th of September doing uh, three nights over in Chippendale. Perfect. I love it. Um, I've got uh, nothing real. I'm, I'm always at Delby's uh, quiz, Paddy Malone's, every Wednesday night. Um, I'm also... Uh, I'm actually jumping up at Livid tomorrow night. Um, last minute call up from Brian Shields, Livid Cafe, the Livid, um, this new little fun room. I think he's going to do it once a month, a bit of fun. Uh, so I'm there tomorrow. Um, I think on Friday night I'm hosting a another quiz night um, for another business. Um, so yeah, there's a few things coming up. I think I'm doing Gong next Thursday. Are you doing Gong next week? Uh, I'm off Monday. I'm doing it this week and then I'm doing Fremantle this weekend. Okay. Um, and then, um, yeah, mate, I will be... Uh, yeah, cool. And oh, the oh, yeah. Sorry. And, and Sorry. Robbie, you got anything to plug? No, nah, nothing to plug for me, mate, mate, but watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the one? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so right. just put your mic near the... Uh, do I have, do you have the headphones on for this? I think it might just be off-putting for me hearing my voice ringing in my ears. No, you can do what you want, mate. It's all, all right. good. As long as, long as you're nice and close Get to the Get that beautiful mane out for oh, okay. the viewers, mate. Take all the headphones right. off. Let's take the, uh, take the headphones off. Holy shit, look at that mane. Flowing. This could be clipped up as well, mate. This could All be right. clipped up. All, All right. right. You ready? This is a hard yarns first. <laughs> Put that mic there. How far into the beat are you? You started again? <laughs> Fucking Corey. You can't trust him to do anything, mate. All right, here we go. Let's go, hard yarners. Greenest of pastures, mean as hard yarners, Patreoners, it's seamless, believe this. Edition 196, we're back and flexing, stressing this pod's been rigorously road tested, both safe and effective, so let's get hard. Where the hell's Delby? Can anybody tell me? The co host ghosted, don't know where the bloke is, joking, brother, tearing up Edinburgh. In lieu for you, we got Corey, Bobby, and Branchy alarmed, still having a hard yarn since day one, winning. Humble beginnings must be said in jest, started in Branchy. Shit, no kidding, not the end. Living on starred muffins, upgraded studio, strutting their stuff on Hutton. Least days numbered, finding a new zone of 
abundance extending circumference so we go to a new home on Angove solution improving studio evolution the truth is elusive hard yarns is the movement tune in never fear soothing it's clear a light-hearted place for discussion of ideas unfair to the mainstream media deceivers going spare iron grip loosen podcast extend town square fair building community connection and social capital valuable rolling your eyes two straight privileged white guys starting a podcast of noxious what's this it must be toxic a place to speak your mind and be yourself it's the new fifth estate because the media is a waste of space 2021 Corey grateful for a platform to speak out against the mandates plenty of topics covered comedy fake news COVID-2 geopolitics clowning Mark McGowan veganism activism relationship health conspiracy theories hypnotism lessons in civics to astrophysicists picture this exquisite we get to witness this quips escape lips even covering broken dicks inconsiderate Liam Ellis penis felled sitting out a spell don't know the bloke but hope he's recovering well what an insane game Australian made crossing Nullarbor planes running a camel train John Elliott of Australia not Lawrence of Arabia exclusive membership Aussie T.S. Elliott interruption with a pun Corey story not fun outdone undergun short compared to big pun allegedly heavenly kicking lyrical melodies composer like Mozart flows art aghast too smart Bobby Orr flows art flows charge and laugh bars I got him on command setting foot on the path trepidation awaiting face him. It's the hero's journey. Word spree's not worthy. Sounds like a furphy. I'm Goggins on this mic because you can't hurt me. You serve me. One word unworthy. Got the crazy syntax. Relapse and rehab. Is that Andrew Wolf or poor man's Joey Diaz? Seems that we're in the podcast king. The discussion is the mission. Never getting hemmed in by the walls of official them. But voting means not permitted or allowed. Forbidden or prohibited by or as if by authority. Vivid when I'm spitting. That's the dictionary definition. It's Robert Oppenheimer doing lyrical curls. Banner unfurled death. Destroyer of worlds. So what's love got to do with it? You see a former sheet metal worker and teacher living their dreams. Thanks for the platform. Lyrical destroyer. Hashtag washed up criminal and family lawyers disarmed on guard. Jousting going hard. It's hard yarns. Free Julian Assange. Yes! Uh, I forgot my charger. Oh, Too that rough. is so good. Oh, fuck. Thanks for that, mate. I fucking fucked up a couple of lines in there. Um, no, you did getting, very well. Getting a little bit carried away. And, uh, <laughs> fuck, that was... I was terrified my phone was going to ring. And kind of <laughs> 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 fuck, incredible. Thank you so much, guys. Delby, you've lost your job as the best rapper on this <laughs> podcast. I'll have to get Delby on for a free. Fuck, yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. Incredible episode. Thanks so much for coming, guys. Cheers. Bye See you, mate. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys.